If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello, world! It's a completely unnecessary podcast for Wednesday, September 14th, 2016. I'm here with Ian Ferguson. Howdy. And I'm Pat Country. Ready for some madcap fun covering the latest in modern gaming, retro gaming, and uh, UFC news this time out, as well as your Q&A? Yes. We'll be talking about... Uh, Nintendo going with an endless runner for Super Mario Run, Duke Nukem 3D Remake. Uh, we'll be talking about Trump Tendo, TurboGrafx-16 Repro Clue Cards, and much more. First, we have uh, some sponsors for you. Looking for gear, collectibles, houseware, and more from your favorite pop culture franchises? Loot Crate got you covered. Loot Crate offers a range of geek and gamer items for less than $20 a month. Want to bring your loot to the next level? Get a bigger box with even bigger loot with Loot Crate DX. Are you ready? <laughs> if you're more the type to wear your geeky heart in your sleeve, then Loot Wear, the monthly wearables and accessory subscription, is what you're looking for. Go to LootCrate.com slash Pat and enter code Pat to save 10% on any new Loot Crate sign-up. Get ready for September's high-octane theme. High-octane theme speed featuring Batman, CW's The Flash, and Arrow. Battlestar Galactica, Iron Man, gone in 60 seconds. That's a new movie. If you have a style need, you'll love the Speed Loot Wear Collection, featuring Sonic socks for when you got to go fast, a Transformers wearable for your world-saving needs, a winning Mario Kart tee, and more. Oh my god, you have until the 19th of September at 9pm Pacific to subscribe and receive the Speed Crate. After that cutoff happens, it's over, you're done. Go to lootcrate.com slash patent or code PAT to save 10% on any new Loot Crate sign-up. Woo, Ian! And we're also brought to you by ArcadeWorks, the makers of the Omega Entertainment Machine. Hands down, the best way to play Neo Geo arcade games from the comfort of your own couch. Sporting a design inspired by the legendary home system, the Omega utilizes the low-cost MVS format to finally put Neo Geo Gaming within financial reach. Each Omega ships with the latest Unibios and the optional virtual memory card upgrade lets players save their progress and high scores, so get yours today at arcadeworks.net. Use coupon code OMEGANOW for $10 off the purchase of an Omega Entertainment machine. Alright, so... Ooh, I just got back from New Jersey. I uh, hadn't been there in four years. I actually was there the summer of 2012. Really? It's been that long? Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, that was when I did the uh, Pat Returns to the Jersey Shore video, where I thankfully got extensive video of probably the best arcade that used to be in New Jersey, um, the flashbacks in Seaside Park. They had about 40 to 50 old machines. We're talking about original Space Invaders, VS, Nintendo cabinets, original track and field. They had one of the probably less than a, a couple hundred original tappers. Uh, they had the Budweiser one. Nice. Uh, so, and they had the, the, I remember I showed you, you must have seen that video, maybe, all the nice pinball machines. I they had about that. 20 pinball machines at least, and they had the big uh, Those are the Hercules. The, tight, uh, the Hercules. They had the big yeah. Hercules one, the one that has a cue ball. Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
And so that was uh, right before uh, Hurricane Sandy. Right. And then the next year, or no, Hurricane Sandy was 2013, right? And then 2014, it burned to the ground. So this actually survived uh, Hurricane Sandy, thankfully. Um, like, I'd say it was probably, I, from what I, I was told, some of the building was damaged, so they consolidated the arcade, but it was still remaining there. Plus, they had that light gun game. Like, from probably, They probably made those in, like, the 60s or 50s, you know, with the light gun. You, the guy plays the piano. You probably have seen those yeah. in some wars. Not many of those around probably either anymore. Those will probably get ripped out the past 20 years, you know. So it survived this massive uh, hurricane, and then a year later, a fucking freak fire destroys, like, basically a big chunk of Seaside Park's uh, boardwalk buildings, including that, including the carousel. So I didn't go visit it, but that's the first thing I thought of when I came back home, and everyone kept bringing it up to me that this, you know, that's it's gone. It's just, it's basically, it's cinder. It's like there's nothing left. There's even, you know, the stands that were there with the plush toys, there's like singed plush toys on the beach still, just sitting there from a couple of years ago. It's like, that sounds like the most depressing thing ever. Yeah. The, o- the only thing that survived on, the, on that part of the boardwalk, which is the end of the boardwalk, the end of the boardwalk in terms of the end of like commercial stuff was Sawmill, the pizza, the famous pizza place, because they had an anti-fire system with the sprinklers and stuff so that you know, got, kept the fire at bay and no one else did. And they still haven't rebuilt anything because I guess they can't... Uh, it's, it's multiple owners. They can't decide what they want to rebuild. And then the, the city doesn't want building there anymore because of possible hurricane, even though that fucking hurricane was like a once-in-a-hundred-year hurricane that hit. Right. You know, it, was, it was literally the perfect storm of like three storms. I don't even, Three different types of things hitting together, like hurricane and other storms hitting. Um, but besides that, it, it felt weird being back in New Jersey because it's been so long. Parents are no longer in, are no longer in New Jersey. They they basically sold their house at a drop of a freaking hat last year. Um, so there was nothing left for me there. Uh, besides, like my cousins are still there, a couple friends from college, that sort of thing. But I went to a video game con, had a great time uh, there. Um, sold the book for the first time publicly. Sold out in like three hours. People seemed happy with it. They were surprised at how big the book was. Uh, roommates with my pal. We haven't been joking. About, What's that? We haven't been joking about how big the. Oh book no, is. the book's it's huge. People are like surprised <laughs> how big the book is. Uh, I was next to my pal Norm, the gaming historian. Always good to hang out with my Norm. pal. My pal Norm. I showed off a sneak peek at my new video coming out uh, this weekend. Hopefully, a Pat the Idiot's Punk video, and then showed off a little bit more of the app. The app should hopefully be coming out uh, this month as well. And I'm actually more excited about the app than anything else right now, which is which is. Uh, which is, uh, you know, it's going to be fun. Uh, but I'm kind of exhausted from a lot of other things I won't get into right now. Um, some stressors going on. And uh, we got to do some, some some shooting later this week as well. But, you know, how was, how was your week or weekend? How's the store move? Um, actually, I have been fairly removed from the store move. Um, which removed is, from the move. <laughs> uh, I mean, they've basically left me in control of the other store as... Um, you know, the owner, uh, one of the part-timers, and um, I'm fairly certain one of the uh, one of my co-workers that I've mentioned a lot, who I'm good friends with, Chris, uh, have been dealing with the move. And, I mean, the move was done in one day. They busted it out in, like, ten hours. Um, but they've been putting it together. Um, you know, uh, the owner's been really happy going into it. You know, uh, we've been doing well lately, so he's been able to get some remodeling done and stuff that he really wants done on this new store. So he's making sure he's really happy with it. Um, so, uh, no, I mean, it's all really exciting. Uh, I'm going to go down and take a look at it this week just to see, you know, what kind of changes have been made since we picked out the spot. Um, it'll be open probably the last week of September by October 1st for sure. 
Um, so that's moving along really well. Um, and then in like my dorky, you know, silly personal life, um, I tried out two new restaurants in San Diego this week. That was pretty cool. <laughs> I had some good food. Okay, anything worth worth sharing? Yeah, Spicy City, this really like hole in the wall Chinese place. Uh, Spicy's right in the name. Didn't let me down. Very very hot. Um, and uh, today is actually uh, the anniversary of my eleventh year in San Diego. Wow! <laughs> and I kind of figured I'd stop counting at ten, but. Um, I don't know. For whatever reason, it means something to me. Uh, you know, when I moved 10 years ago, I don't think, or 11 years ago, I don't think anyone actually thought I'd make it. So, you know, every year that I do, it's a constant. Who, who didn't think you'd make it? And how, how would you find make it? I don't understand that. Well, I'm still here. I'm still out well, of Buffalo. People thought you'd move back? Yeah, in Buffalo. And it wasn't really family. Family had faith in me. But Buffalo is a place that... A lot of people find it hard to leave. Um, it's easy to get really? complacent in Buffalo. It's easy to get economic. The economy makes it hard to leave. Uh, and a lot of people do get pulled back to Buffalo. So it's kind of like... <laughs> they miss the wing sauce? I mean, what's I, pulling them back? There's a small knit community Well, because it, because there is there are good parts about Buffalo. It's, it is. It's a small knit community. A lot of people have a lot of family there. Um, so it's it, it's just nice to feel like I I, I did it, um, and it was at a time where I didn't think I could make big changes, and you know around this time right now I'm also making some bigger changes. So I don't know. It feels kind of good just to you know hit 11 years and be yeah. like, holy shit, it's been over a decade. You're making moderate changes. I want to call them big changes. Okay, you don't know everything I'm doing though. So well, then you should tell me more. I don't know what else <laughs> are you doing, Ian. You're gonna you know. You're going to start taking some Brazilian jiu-jitsu classes be a UFC competitor? I have ideas as to things I'd like to do now that I'm, you know, well into the middle of my 30s, things that I've been putting off. Jeez, I thought we were friends at one point. Anyway, so... <laughs> we are. Let's get into a um, uh, uh, not-so-shocking announcement since we knew that Nintendo was uh, going to get into the mobile uh, market, and they started with the Mitomo. And kind of, well, they're getting a cut of Pokemon Go. But now we have a an endless runner. Their first, like, this is it. This is a Nintendo app game with one of our huge, you know, IPs here. So this is, this is actually interesting to me for a, a few reasons. Um, so when Pokemon Go came out, Nintendo saw a huge spike. Uh, in their their value, uh, their stock value, it came back down to earth. But they did see us. Well, it came back down to earth, especially when um, the it wasn't a secret. But when people really started to realize that Nintendo didn't actually have that much to do with uh, the prop with, with the with the app, um, it was Niantic Labs that really had the most to do with it. Um, this is more so than Mitomo. An actual this is this is a very this is their own game. It's okay. game. And not only is it their own game, but it's not going to be for Android and Apple. This is strictly for Apple devices. Oh, it's not going to come out Android at all? No, this is, this is as far as I know, this is strictly Apple. Um, to get into what the game is a little bit more, if you don't know what a runner, an endless runner is, and this isn't actually really an endless runner at all. Um, it is a runner, uh, an automatic runner. It's a game that takes the control of the left and right movements out of your hand. Basically, your character is always running. Um, Oftentimes, momentum will pick up speed the further you make it down uh, a level. What you control is the timing of your jumps. 
So you'll have to get the timing down to hit the boxes you for power ups. You walk around, walk along at a constant rate. Perfect. Right. Um, if you ever played NES Remix, there were plenty of levels in NES Remix from Mario where uh, Mario's constantly running and you have to get through the level uh, while he's running with only controlling his jumps. I love those levels. I love endless runners like Cannibalt on iOS. It's one of the first games I downloaded for my iPhone when I got one three, four years ago, and it's still one that's on my phone. Uh, the difference is, is this Super Mario Run game will have... You know, defined start and stop points. Uh, this will also be uh, free to play with a demo, and it will have uh, a purchasable version. But what's more interesting to me is that um, this is Nintendo developing a game for Apple. Um, you know, people wanted to see Nintendo go third party, and this is Nintendo. I mean, you know, in a modern era, really doing this, developing something for. Well- what you could call a, a, a truly a different console. Well, they they revealed it at the, what, the Apple uh, conference. Yeah, and I don't think so far there's been any mention of an Android version well, of it. It looks like they're not specific on when, but sometime they said 2016. So it's Late gonna, December, I think they said. Oh, excuse me. Uh, this, uh, this article uh, from Forbes, uh, actually Forbes or maybe staff, next not year. Ford blog, Says, well, it could be actually next year, but it's gonna it's gonna come a- sometime afterwards. They're not they're not specific yet on when it's gonna happen. Okay, so. this says all runner strides onto iPhones in December of this so, year. So, 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 oh, 2017. So it's gonna be a semi exclusive at first, but yeah, okay. they, they can't lose out in the droid market. It's just as big as the okay. Apple at this point. But what we have is Nintendo legitimately developing games for other platforms now. It's okay. just not your Sony and your Microsoft systems like people thought. You know, have, have been asking for. Um, what's interesting is this uh, did shoot Nintendo stocks right back up again, about twenty percent, um, and the stock is higher by about another sixty uh, is sixty percent higher than it was um, at the uh, the start of the year. Um, this one should be interesting uh, for a couple of reasons. One, this is um, if, if you discount. If you discount Pokemon Go because it was more Niantic than Nintendo, and if you discount Pokemon Go also for the reason because Pokemon Go requires you getting out there to play the game, this is the first real game that they're doing. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how well it does, I think, on the market. How many people download this, play it, adopt it. Um, well, because be this the, isn't going to be as... Ca- it's going to be casual, but it's not going to be as casual as something like Pokemon Go or Mitomo. What well, is going to be paid, correct? Uh, it'll have... It, I believe... It said that it'll have a demo, but then, yes, it will be a fully-fledged paid game. It'll be interesting to see how many people adopt a fully paid game, well, as opposed to something with a free-to-play mechanic. I, I think it'll do... I mean, hell, if this is even two ninety nine. I think they'll do. they'll sell millions of them. Just because it's Mario, a casual person will go, oh, it's... A, it's a Super Mario game, and they'll play it because there's tons of endless runners out there, correct? So I mean, like this is going to be the, the first one where it's like, oh my god, this is the most famous, iconic video game mascot in existence. So why wouldn't this do well? There's no reason it wouldn't. It's going to be polished. It's it's in the what like the new Super Mario Brothers graphic style that we've seen in the past what five six years. You know, starting with the Wii. Um, so yeah, I it'll do gangbusters. I'm looking at it. It's pretty. I mean, it's an endless runner, but you know, there's some other elements that you can hop on Goombas and enemies. You go past Bowser, you collect coins. Like I said, it's, it's going to be just like those yeah. levels in NES Remix. If those were fun and those levels were never intended for that, 
imagine what they could do when they're structuring a game around that design. Sure, and it had more thought. Like, you can jump backwards, and it looks like you, you can hit these blocks to activate more coins. And I'm sure there'll be rewards for how many coins you get in a level, you know, like, maybe you get, like, platinum, gold, silver, bronze. You know what I mean? Like, some sort of challenge system like that. There's only, a, let's say, a minute of gameplay release so far, at least uh, on YouTube when I see. But, um, yeah, this will make a mint... And it's not like it probably was that challenging for them to develop this. You know what I mean? Compared to other huge games coming out, like uh, like the new Zelda game on, on Wii U, um, Call of the Wild. So, I mean, I, I think people... It's weird, because people are like, it's the death of Nintendo because they're going to the mobile market, but why wouldn't they go to the mobile market if they're going to make a ton of money doing it? And there's little risk putting out these games. What's the risk? No one's going to download them? Oh, you know what I mean? Like the the cost to make this is going to be a lot less than putting, making a huge console game. You know, so but there, and there's less overhead probably with marketing a game like this because it's all on your phone. It's going to jump to the top of the list in like the downloads within the first like day. You know what I mean? Just like Pokemon Go, people are going to or see Pokemon Go and see this right underneath it probably because of the search results or whatever. They might see a new certain new NES guide app uh, out there too. Uh, might pop up too. Uh, so yeah, I, I'll, I'll probably check it out. This is a few bucks. Why not? You know what's what's the harm? Ian? So the ninety, I was getting there. <laughs> the nineties relic will not ever go away. Is uh, actually getting a re-release of his, the game that really brought him to the forefront. We're getting a re-release of the original Duke Nukem 3D called Duke Nukem 3D Twentieth Anniversary Edition wow. World Tour. Twenty years, which is kind of an awful name. Um, so, for years there was a rumor of a Duke Nukem 3D uh, remake, and it never happened. There were legal rights that tied it up. Obviously, they uh, got those cleared up. It's under a new name, um, and basically the big selling points of this are um, it has uh, a new renderer, so... Um, the stages will look actually 3D, while the um, the old-fashioned sprite enemies will look the same, which is cool because sure. actually the sprite work in the old game was actually really nicely done. It was. Um, it'll have all the original episodes. Um, it will have new lines uh, from John St. John. Everything was recorded, so it has clear audio. Yes, yeah, so it has clear all audio. The original lines will be recorded because the original ones were like so compressed. Right. So all the speech is redone by the original voice actor, John St. John. And it's going to have uh, new music by the original composer. And it's going to have uh, a new episode by the original uh, episode designer. A new episode is usually about, what, like eight levels or so, eight to ten levels, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So that's really awesome, and um, I don't know. I I mean, as big of a disaster, and as much as you know, some of uh, uh, what the hell was that abomination called? The fucking abortion, forever. Duke Nukem Forever. Yeah, um, it came like five years ago already. Yeah, this is actually something that I would play because the original Duke Nukem 3D. As much as even at the time I was like the recycled movie lines and shit were kind of annoying to me, the game itself was very good. It's extremely fun. It's extremely. It's, it's, it's over the top, obviously, but that's the point. It was fun um, and it was a uh, it was a good multiplayer game. I played it multiplayer online with the jetpacks. The shrink rays always fun. It's just and the the maps were kind of I, I hate to say because I'm, I'm I'm such a massive Doom and Doom Two mark, but the maps were designed in a way that were better for multiplayer too. The Doom, oh yeah, because Doom yeah. were too sprawling. Right. Um, 
uh, it was sometimes hard to find someone. Uh, I, it's also cool they have commentary tracks from the original like people that worked on the game. When you're going through the game, there's a mode where like you can like uh, walk up and hit these uh, little icons, like microphone things, and they'll talk about the game at that point and design level design and things like oh the old fire effect. Oh, we bought that from a CD or you know had all these fire effects. It's just really interesting. I never heard of a game doing it like that. Like and maybe this could open up a whole new world of like game commentary on older games that didn't exist before. It's actually pretty fascinating. Yeah, I feel like I've I've seen or heard of it done in like newer games, but in older ones absolutely not. And then uh at least not to my knowledge, maybe some of the old point and clicks. And um there is and it's becoming a more common thing. Um but it also has that nifty little feature where you press a button and it'll switch between the new graphics and the old graphics. Oh, well, which is always cool when you're uh, checking out. Yeah, it's it was in another article I saw. But that's always cool when you want to compare like a particularly uh, scenic moment, like when you're at the end and you're in the football stadium. Oh, you know, sure. that'll always be fun to check out. You know, the differences and things like that. So it's going to be 19.99. It launches on October 11th. Great and, price. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, this is something I and, will buy. And you can picture play multiplayer do doing three D twenty years later. Yeah. With, with it actually being stale, not in your fifty six K modem. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that'll be fantastic. Yep. Uh I think I'm I'm hoping you won't get backlash from like, oh, because of the over the top machismo and yeah, there's strippers in the game and stuff like that. It's like come on, it's Duke Nukem. Uh, I mean, we talked about Duke Nukem forever ago and I got shit for it because I felt like that maybe overstepped a couple lines, but I, I'm constantly I, I'm malleable in my points of view and I think Duke Nukem 3D rode that line just fine, the yeah. original one I mean, I, I think it was obvious what it was going for. It was an 80s action movie released I, in the 90s. The trailer's funny because it's like Duke running, running for president it's like uh, healthcare for everyone aggressive alien invasion policies progressive thinking. It's actually pretty intelligent like this strong diplomatic negotiations because you know, he's shooting you know aliens and stuff. Well, because I'm eternally a child, I just like the end because it was my favorite thing when I discovered it when you open up one of the bathroom doors and you see the uh, alien taking a shit. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I always like that. Now it's in the, what, is that the first level? Uh, in, in I mean, I think theater? I think you can find a couple of them, but yeah, it's on the first level. And I still hope you can walk up to the pool tables and hit the door open button and make the pool balls go all Oh, that's right. And then I remember they had the uh, the, the original Duke Nukem games in the arcade. Yeah. Like the 2D ones. Remember, those remember, were, those remember, were really, really good, too. Remember, those were originally Duke Nukem 3D was, you know, the third game in the series. Yeah. Uh, you had two side-scrolling ones there. Yeah, and they changed the name from, from Duke Nukem with a U to an E. Yep. They changed it back to it. Uh, they also they're also adding uh, adding in a new weapon. We have to mention that they're adding in uh, like a flamethrower type of re- weapon that they couldn't they, they they had it in the original they didn't implement like so it was kind of going to be in there. So hmm. it's actually not adding a new weapon per se. It's like they were planning on doing it. They, they're they're going to add that in uh, to this. So I yeah, and this is going to be what it's going to be on all your main systems. PS4, and PC? Xbox One, PC, Steam. No, uh, no Xbox uh, 360. It's I, I, done think the, and <laughs> I think the 360 and the, all that shit are done. So just chuck them away. Build a pyramid of them. Vote for Duke on October 11th. There's our advertisement of the day. <laughs> Was this an advertisement? We can talk about whatever the fuck we want. It's our podcast. How yeah. about another delayed Kickstarter? Not mine. Holy shit. So, um... Yeah, I mean, after the uh, utter disappointment that ended up being Mighty Number no. 9, I think everyone looked to uh, 
Koji Igarashi, uh, the man who Koji. Uh, who kind of ushered in the modern era of Castlevania by being an assistant on Symphony of the Night and, you know, doing all the great Game Boy Advance and DS Castlevanias. The more open Metroid-style ones. Metroidvania, that's the weird genre name. It's the weird, I don't like that name, which is why I said open-style Metroid. <laughs> Metroid type. How about just, like, adventure action RPG? Type is that Whatever. Um... So, uh, you know, he, he, he left Konami. Everyone got behind him because he wanted to bring back that style of Castlevania. And I'm still on board with that vision. A lot of people are. But, uh, you know, everyone looked to him like, you know, you're going to get it right, man. And the game was supposed to release in the first quarter of, of 2017. And uh, it just got pushed to the first half of 2018. Jesus, a full year. A full year, and, if not a little uh, bit more. Remember, this this made what, like over four million on Kickstarter, uh, something like that. And it was only looking for, I think, five hundred thousand because it was another one of those Kickstarters that was a gauge shadow Kickstarter, where right? Where there was right. there was money behind more it, like, already. more like pre-order than a real Kickstarter, right? Like. And. It's disappointing, and it's particularly disappointing in the wording of how he states this. In an update to the games on the game's YouTube channel, Igarashi stated, Things have been progressing with development for Bloodstained, but between our current production setup and release deadline, I've realized that at this rate, the game may now end up meeting my quality standards. You, you just realized that, dude, with like, what? Two like, years in the, uh, three years in development, or whatever? A, a months to go? Uh... He adds, uh, I'm in the process of bringing on another development team in order to keep the game fully on track for how I envision it. What fuck-ups did you bring on? Like, I mean, in the first place, to derail this to the degree that you've derailed Uh, it. So, yeah, 4.2 million, like... Well, that's a lot of that wasted for new development. By the way, when he's, like, it's recorded video, looks like a fucking hostage video. How it's recorded. You see the actual video of him? It's like in front of a white screen. He's just sitting there. Yeah, like, he looks, right? he uh, look it looks like he was gunned to his head say this. So I don't know where this is coming from. I mean, how do you get so far into this where, you're, like you said, a few months out, oh, this development team sucks dick, and we have to throw them out, basically. And who knows how much work you have to redo at that point. We're halfway through September, okay? Let's say, I, maybe, I, I'm just, I, I think it was first quarter, maybe it was first half. March was supposed to be. March. So six months out, we're six months out, and six months out, you're like, oh, we're not going to make release. And this is after years of development. Oh, my product is crap. I have to tell people now, six months be ahead of time, that you know we need another over a year. You think they saw the money number nine disaster? And like, oh, we can't. We got to make sure this is right. So you know, <laughs> I mean, I've mentioned this team before, and uh, I don't want to sound like I'm constantly cheerleading them, but I'm, I'm, I want to pit two ideas against each other here when when people are looking at these projects. You can't just look at a project and see Kaiji Inafune wants to make a game like Mega Man or or not um, uh, or Koji Igarashi wants to make a game like Castlevania and be like I trust this man because why? Um, Yes they make good games but they did it with huge publishers behind them that were keeping people on task. And you can't just throw all this money at them and magically expect them to churn out this amazing game. Meanwhile, I I, want to briefly touch on 
um, these indie developers, like someone like uh, Lab Zero, who's currently doing a, a, an RPG called Indivisible, you probably know them because they did a game, uh, a fighting game, a well-known and well-respected fighting game called Skullgirls. Played in tournaments all over uh, for money. Um, they have a successful project, you know, that they that they finished and. When they released the kicks of the Indiegogo for their RPG game, uh, they were met with a lot of flack over their goal of 1.5 million that was going to be matched by their publisher to reach 3 million, and they set a long-term release date of late 2018. And people gave them shit like, "No way, you need that much money when Koji Garashi's only asking 500," or, uh-huh. "You know, why do you need this long to make a game?" And it's because people don't realize the fucking realities of game development. So they're getting penalized for being truthful about the budget and time needed versus this where it's bullshit because they have probably money backed already and they're getting pushed back a year anyway. Ah, bingo. Yeah. Exactly. Thanks for kissing me. You're welcome. But you you, you nailed exactly what I was going to say. So these, these people who know exactly what it takes to get these games done and get it done right are being published or uh, punished and shit on and these people get all the money thrown at them because they're like we love you and there's this adoration we love you for making a game 12 years ago you know it's like okay yeah these people made good games Igarashi did uh, Inafune I mean kind of did well he was Uh, part of the Mega Man team well he was part of the Mega Man team but not exactly it it, it depends on, on, on what you look at but these are people that were definitely integral to some more integral than others I think like Igarashi into making these great games and they can still make great games but just because they did doesn't mean they have the know-how to do so and we have to be more cautious about that you think this is a Justice League Zack Snyder thing where they're pulling him off as head of the project (laughs) and Igarashi's the Snyder so he's going to be someone like Affleck's going to come on and direct the game going forward man I don't know, but all I'm saying is don't let celebrity game developers guide your judgment when it comes to these Kickstarters. Read the fine print. Do some research on this. And at this point, and, and who knows? If, if Lab Zero screws up, you, you can all come at me when when that happens. But I, I'm just saying we're, t- we're, we're comparing you know, people getting shouted down when they have successful ventures in the past compared to people who don't have indie projects to rest their laurel rest they, they they can't rest back on these things so that that's that's my main point with this it's time to talk about some fallout 4 news and our sponsor giving us these pit boys that we could we're gonna, no, no no we pre-ordered those <laughs> um yeah so this is kind of unfortunate um bethesda um more importantly with uh, this upcoming Skyrim release, but they did it with Fallout 4, and honestly, I didn't know this because I don't have an Xbox One. Uh, Bethesda has apparently wanted to, and did with Fallout 4, make these games uh, completely moddable, like they did with like they do with the PC releases. Sure. Now, a mod for something like Fallout 4 or Skyrim, uh, the new Skyrim will be coming out in October uh, for PS4 and... Uh, Xbox One. It's uh, basically a graphical update, but the big thing was supposed to be the addition of mods. A mod can be anything from a simple bug patch to whole new areas added to a game, whole new quests, weapons, missions, skins, right? Skins, uh, enemy behaviors, things like oh, that. Oh, okay, like, that's like, pretty cool. Like, in, it, like, just you can do all sorts of crazy stuff. 
they wanted these games to be open to these mods. And while you're able to do that on the Xbox One now with Fallout 4, and you will be able to do it with Skyrim, uh, all of a sudden Sony is backing out on this. They're locking it down. Yeah. And Bethesda's pissed. And Bethesda's pointing their finger at Sony because Bethesda had to put a significant amount of work into working with the PlayStation 4's infrastructure to allow this to happen. Basically, it's in the fucking... It's in the game. So basically, they'd allow you to use whatever hard drive space you have to upload your own assets or whatever else. Get your mods, just like you were playing a PC version. Just like you find the folders, you drop them in. You're good to go. Yeah. And uh, Sony's not allowing it, and no one really knows why. And this is... um, Look, I have a PS4. I generally like Sony's hardware Uh because I like... Um, I generally like Sony's exclusives better. But this isn't looking good for Sony. Not with their PS4 Pro, which we're just not going to bother talking about right now. Um, uh, Not with... um, And and not with these mod things. Sony is seeming very weird these days. And I don't know why they would do this when this gives two very, very popular games a clear advantage on, on, the, on, an, on another system. Yeah, I'd be pissed too about Bethesda because you spent all this time doing this and now one out of three platforms, no one's going to fucking buy it. A large chunk of people be like, well, we can't do what we want to do on the other two platforms, so what, why bother? Right. So this would discourage other people from even bothering to do it with, with Sony's platform, potentially. Or maybe they had a specific reason why in these cases, but that, that doesn't make any sense. What's, what's the risk? Like, they're going to hack your PlayStation or something? I don't... I'm sure there'd be like a default setting if you fuck your game up too much, you can probably revert back to, you know? Like, so what's the big deal? Well, the only you know? other thing I can think of is there are some, like, more adult themed mods. Yeah. But, and, but it's like, you it know. It would be multiplayer, probably, right? These mods? Would no, they allow it? No. But, uh, at least not that I know of. And it's just like, you know what? Fucking the video game playing audience is growing up. So if they get their hands on an adult mod, they get their hands on a fucking adult mod. You're, you're treating this like a computer anyway with your freaking, uh, you know, upgrades after only like two and a half, three years anyway with your new freaking console iteration. So just let it, let it, or PC iteration, whatever. Just let people use it like a PC then. If you're going to com- try to compete with it like that, so here, why still have that barrier? Here's what they did. Uh, they completely destroyed their chances of me buying Skyrim for the PS4. There you go. Uh, I will buy Skyrim on sale on Steam for $30, right. okay. and I will make use of mods on my PC. So you've lost out on get- getting me to buy a $60 game. I'll buy it on sale, and I'll do the mods anyway. Sure. I mean, it's just fucking ridiculous. Let's see. What was the actual statement here? Bethesda said, said after... Months of dis- months of discussion with Sony. Jesus Christ, we regret to say that we have, while we have long been ready to offer mod support on PlayStation Four, Sony has informed us they will not approve user mods the way they should, where users can do anything they want for either Fallout Four or Skyrim Special Edition. Until Sony will allow us to offer proper mod support, that content will not be available. So maybe Sony's like, yeah, you got to do it, but you only can do it for this. Like these little, like these little fucking shitty ways you can do it. You know, like you can mod how a weapon looks like, but you can't add in, in your own skins or something. Like, you know, like maybe they're trying to give some concession, and that's like, what's the point? No one's going to buy it for that, right? You know, what you're 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 you're, you're handcuffing us. So go fuck yourself, Sony. I mean, that's what they not me. They didn't say it like that after months of discussion, though. I don't understand what the big deal is. Wait, like this is just yeah. Like I said, this is bad for Sony. Absolutely bad. Yeah, it doesn't look good at all. Um. I guess I guess uh, there was beta form uh, back in uh, June. There were some problems with it, so maybe Sony was afraid. 
uh, that you know. Yeah, but once again, if you're going to treat your console like a, a PC, then you need to realize that there's going to be bugs, there's going to be problems, there's going to be errors, and uh, I don't know. Take that bold first fucking step. People have been dealing with it on PC since uh, fucking forever. Oh man. So we decide what Skyrim is. Is it an RPG? Is it an adventure? It's an RPG. It's an adventure RPG. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of Fallout 4, Ian, this is actually a pretty heartwarming story. We don't like to uh, show people we have hearts and souls uh, too much on the podcast, but we we might have them every once in a while. So in uh, Fallout 4, a a Reddit user who goes by uh, News... Don't fail me now, Roman numerals. That would be 47, um, a.k.a. Andy. He posted about um, how he lost his father and his brother and how he was using a game like Fallout 4's coping mechanism, which makes sense. Big world, lots of escapism. You know, you can kind of play and lose yourself in it. And uh, Bethesda responded by putting his brother in an expansion they were working on uh, called uh, Nuka World, which uh, I hadn't, haven't played enough Fallout 4, but to me that sounds like a little, you know, like dystopian it's a, it's, theme park it's, it's or something. like playground area, yeah. I guess. And uh, they called him, uh, I believe they called him Good Guy Evan, based on uh, how Andy talked about him, you know, being a very generous guy and all that. And if you meet him in the game, he's real nice and he'll give you what he can and he'll help you out and give you some goods and stuff like that. And, um, you know, they said, well, he's not a spot-on likeness. It's very close. And, uh, you know, they tried to make him mirror the the character. Uh, They tried to make him mirror the the real-life man. Yeah, I watched a video of it and it was pretty interesting because he's like, the character is pretty much like, well, I know how rough it is out there, so, you know, I, I want to do what I can to help you out, and uh, take whatever you want, stay however long you want, and it's like, in this sort of, like, post-apocalyptic wasteland, I guess most of the characters are chunk will be, like, pretty hostile towards yeah. you. Oh, get away from me, don't take my shit. And this guy's like, yeah, just hang out, it's cool. You know, we're all we're all struggling out there. So, And that's that's really nice. And it, it's, it's, we have actually brought this up before um, Gearbox did it. Uh, we talked about it. I don't even know when. It was when Borderlands Two was relatively frequent, so it was probably our first year of podcasts. But uh, um, a character who played a lot of Borderlands died, and they added him in a, a patch of Borderlands Two. And uh, you could go up to him, and once a day, once again, he was described as very generous. And uh, you go up to him every once in a while, and he would just give you like rare loot for free, and you know, just be real nice and stuff. So. I think it's great when, you know, these companies take note of these stories and they do something for their fans like that. That's that's fantastic. And obviously to um, someone like Andy, this probably means the world to him. So that's great that his brother, you know, lives on in a game that he plays and takes great solace in. Heartwarming story. Uh, it's good. Obviously, video game companies don't have to do this, but it shows that, you know, it's a cool thing to do. Um, there's also a GoFundMe to pay uh, Evan's medical bills that the family's struggling to pay. Uh, there's a GoFundMe. I'll, I'll link it in the description if you want to check it out. It looks like, he, uh, Jesus Christ, he passed away suddenly from diabetes, pancreatitis, and his kidneys failing all at once, which allowed an infection to go through his body uncontested. Jesus God. That doesn't sound pleasant. Um, yeah, so check it out. Not much more to say about this. Uh, and there's the clip, like I said, the clip's pretty, pretty cool too. That they did this. It's like in the, it's in a remote region of the game, but again, they didn't have to put that in. That's what they did. 
All right. So, as political as we might get this this uh, this season, I really meant to check these out, and I didn't get a chance to. So you're gonna have to. <laughs> it's Trump Tendo. You have to talk to me. Make about Nintendo these. great again. Oh, fuck yes, it, re- reality TV show, uh, s- semi billionaire, and uh, Carnival oh. Barker, Donald Trump. Besides being the Republican, Carnival. <laughs> Besides Marker. being the Republican uh, presidential <laughs> candidate somehow, since he's not really a Republican, that's a whole other conversation. Um, someone, his name is an artist, I guess pixel artist, named uh, Jeff Hong, who does animation stuff, storyboard stuff. He's in Brooklyn, New York. He just did a bunch of ROM hacks. You can actually download them from the site, because they're not protected, the ROMs. You can figure out how to get them, but you can play them in your browser. And it's, uh, let's see, it's seven games... You have the original Donkey Trump, Donald Trump's Punch Out, Super Bernie Bros. Or I, like, Bernie I like how Bernie is like the 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 hero, uh, like Mario stand-in for for these. Yes, yeah, so, well, well, he has glasses and Super Bernie Bros. But in Donkey Kong Jr., it doesn't look like he is. And Donkey Kong Jr. is actually trying to save Donald Trump in the in the in the cage, which I think is funny. I'm just looking uh, at Donkey Trump. It looks like a Donkey a, Trump a, a Bernie. The original Donkey Trump. Yes. Tr- yeah, okay. Anyways. Uh, and then you have Donkey Trump 3. Uh, Donald Trump's Urban Champion, which I'll get into. I'll run through all of these for you. And ISIS Bomberman. So, let's run through these. I, pl- I had the pleasure of playing all of these, Ian. <laughs> so, the original Donkey Trump is what you expect. You are, I guess, a Bernie Sanders. Uh, you know, he's in white. The white overalls with blue shirt. And it's the same as that game, except uh, Donald Trump is Donkey Trump. Throwing the barrels down. All right, Donald Trump's punch out is. By the way, it says fight Donald Trump in the dream bout. Challenge losers from around the globe. Wouldn't make America great again. Which I think is funny. You probably should have played as Donald Trump though, fighting people around. The globe. That would have been better. Uh, you said your little Mac, and I put in the code to get the Tyson. Yes, it is Donald Trump. And it is pretty funny the sprite swap. Yeah, otherwise, it's the same game. Super Bernie Bros. Uh, it, it, it's 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 the same little guy from the Donkey Trump, and you're you're Bernie, and it was sped up the one I played, and it looks like uh, instead of a uh, Bowser, it's Donald Trump as Bowser when you get to the end of the uh, end of the the dungeon levels. Donkey Trump three. Uh, this could unfor- be fun shooting bug spray up uh, Trump's ass. Unfortunately, it was not. They did not change the, the Stanley to Bernie. That would have been funny. They, they did not do it. That was a misstep, Jeff. You should have done that. That would have uh, been yeah. hilarious. Um, and then Do- Donkey Trump Jr., uh, you have Trump as Donkey Kong Jr., and you have Bernie as Mario with the trap jaws. Uh, and then, But if, unfortunately, you have just regular Donkey Kong Jr., and it's the same game. Donald Trump's Urban Champion. This is where it kind of goes off the rails. Uh, I noticed no difference besides the characters were black in the game, including the, the woman dropping uh, the vase out the window. So that one didn't make much sense to me in terms of the motivation there. And then the worst taste one, ISIS Bomberman. Yeah, that's... That's... Um, which they changed the, the Bomberman character into how it appears on the cover art there, wearing black instead of, you know, the white and blue. And then the, whatever those enemies are called look like Donald Trump when you play it until you blow them up. Uh, they like mini Donald Trump's walking around, whatever the enemies are. So it's cute for the political season. I, I don't, w- w- whatever side of the aisle you're on this election, and God damn it, I'm on neither. Um, it, it's interesting, except I think it was a little too simplistic because there's nothing, there's nothing inherently cl- clever about just swapping the sprites. It doesn't say anything. 
for example, if I was going to make a game, uh, you know, why wouldn't you make like a Pac-Man clone where it's Hillary as Pac-Man and the FBI are the ghost, and you got to chomp up all the emails, like do something like that where it actually plays off something happening this political season. If you're going to do Donald Trump, why don't you do Rampart where you're building a wall and you're keeping the Mexicans out? You know, like try to incorporate some of the themes, you know, of, of this political season. Like you have Bernie against. Trump in these games, but Bernie's not running for president. You probably should have Bernie fighting the Democratic National Committee, since they're the ones that colluded against him to get Hillary the nomination. Oh, past getting political. Sorry, that's the truth. It's not like I'm making it up. So, I think it's just one step away from being clever, but it's still cute just to play it. You know, it's actually pretty funny to see you know, uh, Donald Trump as Mike Tyson getting to punch him. I think a Jeopardy where where Trump is Alex Trebek and all the questions are just fucking mindless word salad would be <laughs> hilarious. Uh, you know, I, I heard, I've I read things, I've seen on the internet, that'd just be the question. Tremendous. And- <laughs> tremendous. Large. Tremendous. I've tremendous. Heard, I've heard things. America. Tremendous. <laughs> so, uh, not much more to say about this, but uh, it's like I said, it's cute, but it's not clever. Uh, I think... I think uh, the the guy who did these uh, Jeff had to go one step more to actually th- making these. I think clever I think, and parody. I think cute and Trump should never be in the same sentence. Ever. I, I think he's cute. Or 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 if you wanted to follow this, like Bill Maher always makes fun of uh, Donald Trump for looking like a ran- an orangutan. He should have done that for you know in the, the Donkey Kong games. Sort of worked that in somehow. I don't know. Giving him just these fucking big <laughs> fucking salami nipples. <laughs> salami nipples. That doesn't sound pleasant at all. Well, but uh, but honestly, uh, and Donkey Trump Jr. You probably have, should have had a different spread for 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 Junior. I don't know if you do Mike if you do Mike Pence the, the VP. You do someone else like that. I just think it would have been interesting to. And the Urban Champion thing that just to me is just it doesn't make any sense. Um, again, it has to be clever. And the ISIS Bomberman, I, I, that to me is just kind of. I don't know. That's I don't want to say too soon, but that's to me yeah, it's borderline tasteless. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, and it has nothing to do with Trump. Yeah, it's just, you want you want to you want to rag just, on Trump? That's, that's fine. That has nothing to do with ISIS. That's yeah, just sort of like he had, he had like an extra couple hours to just change the sprites in ISIS Bomberman. It's not really borderline. That's just tasteless. it's just tasteless. Yeah, yeah, okay. We can we can agree on that. This yeah, that's, political that's, season. That's tasteless. <laughs> uh, this is something I've noticed the past few months. We talked about this, I believe, because, or at least you and I did privately if we didn't on the podcast. They started doing um, uh, um, reproduction um, actual PC Engine who cards. Turbo graphics as well. Yeah, yeah. and now they're doing, the, um, they're doing the, the turbo chips. Yeah. And these are available on websites. I think they usually cost in the $50 region, $40 region. And the reason I bring this up was because people were alerting to me this. Alerting, alerting me to me this now. To this, I've also seen them at the convention the past weekend for sale. We'll get into the whole ethics of should conventions allow repros to be sold at conventions. I personally think no, but whatever, uh, it can happen. Uh, but these are popping up. The good news is that these cannot be mistaken with the original. If you if you educate yourself and you know what you're looking at, these don't look anything like the original. That's the key. You have to make sure you know what you're looking at. Uh, that you're not a newcomer to the collecting scene and that you don't think you're magically getting a deal. Good news is, is these look like they're buy it now 55 bucks, so you're not out a ton of money. But if you know what you're looking for, these don't look well, anything like original cards. They're actually, I believe, 45 from the website themselves. They're at like a, 
their website. I think it's tg16pcemods.com. Wow. Oh, okay. And they also do, it looks like, super graphics ones. Yeah, they're super graphics ones. And they come in little, like, like I guess, almost like probably PSP size cases. Yeah. Uh, which are cool. So, it's good because, hey, if you want to get manageable chase, it's like 50 bucks now. It's not like uh, fucking $3,000 for the Hue card and manual. And like I said, they're available in like white or black. And in solid color. So if you see a, a regular Hue card, they're they're in two colors usually: white on the outside and black in the middle. Mm-hmm. And plus, if you pick this up, these are heavier. These are a good amount heavier. Than oh, really? Ones. Yeah, I haven't held them. So, so they, again, they can't be confused for those two reasons, which I appreciate. I definitely do. So if you click on, if you go to the website, there's a good amount available. If this will load up ever, I, I can tell you about the ones available. But you you can get um. You can actually you can even ask which ones you want. Yeah, I was gonna say with the yeah. uh, with the um, when we were discussing it because my buddy did it with the uh, PC Engine ones. You could ask them, "Hey, can you put this on one for me? Can you put this on one for me?" And they'd gladly oblige and screen print yeah. the graphic on top there's, for you. Obviously, there's Magical Chase here. That's the big one. The the, the benefit Soldier like, Blade. The cool thing was is like if there was like a, a hack, like a translated version of something you wanted, they would put it on a card for you and put the graphic on it, and that way you had a physical version instead of like having to put it on an EverDrive or something. That's a good idea. We'll yeah. get to that in a second about EverDrive. Uh, this picture of Bonk Three, one of the hardest, most expensive to find. Uh, Hue card games, Newtopia Two is a hard to find one. Um, yeah, like I said, they come in like PCP size little PCP size PCP. That's one thing I should be doing. I can wake up. A little uh, angel dust? Yeah. Uh, PSP's uh, cases. <laughs> My question, though, is, again, this goes back to the repro Nintendo games. Why do that if you can just buy the flash card and then get everything? Like, you're not really collecting anymore when you're going for counterfeit items. You're not You're not collecting. No one... Real collectors, at least to me, people go, hey, shut up, you, you should default what are real collectors. Real collectors, by and large, don't collect counterfeits. They just don't. Okay, fair enough. But for someone like me, let me let me put it this way. You're going to spend $50 on one game when you can spend 120 or 30 and get all the games you want on a Hue card. If you're, if you're worried about real real uh, hardware, I don't just see the point. I just don't. I don't know that I would either for other systems, but for something like PC Engine that I'm really interested in, if there was a... Um, I don't know. I can't even think of one off the top of my head. But if there was a Japanese RPG on card that I really wanted, um, and it had a fan translation, a really good one, uh-huh. and that's really all, if there was like two or three, and that's all I really wanted, um, I probably wouldn't want an EverDrive just for three games. I'd probably just get a nicely packaged... You'd rather get nicely packaged for the translation that you could also easily load that ROM onto your EverDrive. Well, you have to understand, especially because the... Keep in mind this. The EverDrives are not meant to be taken in and out of your system multiple times. They're extra thick, and this is... No, this is not not me shit-talking Cricks, the EverDrives, or Stone Age Gamers. They come with warnings that say, do not take this in and out of your system multiple times. We recommend you put this into your system once and leave it into your system. Is it that... Thick. Yeah, it will ruin your contacts. So if I am collecting, if I'm a PC Engine collector, 
okay? And I want to play these three RPGs that have good fan translations on card. I'm not going to want to constantly be putting a, a uh, uh, Navi drive in and out along with my actual games that I'm collecting. So this does serve a but purpose. If you get an average drive, you just load up all the ROMs anyway. You don't have to take it out of your systems anyway. Yeah, but it's the one system I collect for. You should understand that. There are systems you collect for. But I, I, but don't, that, I, don't, I don't want to load but, all but the I, ROMs up. Okay. I, I'm I, saying I, there might be three PC Engine RPGs that I want to play in English. Okay. All right, I don't understand it, but okay. I can see it. There's also, they have these... You these, don't understand? I mean, you have a gimmick... You have a gimmick reproduction because prohibitively it's it, it cost prohibitive. I have three maybe RPGs that I want to play because they're language prohibitive. It just makes more sense. But what I'm saying is I have I have the entire library. Yes, I have a flashcard. Yeah, but you also have a gimmick repro. Okay, that's a whole other conversation. I got that for a review originally. You've seen that review, Ian, haven't you? Oh yeah, I didn't know you got it for a review. I thought you bought it. Well, I did, oh, I did buy it, but I got it for review. Uh, anyway, so what's cool is that they actually have these dual view cards, though, too, for like 75 bucks. You can get two games on one. Oh, that's neat. So there's like Superstar Soldier and Soldier Blade for 75 I'm not sure if there's a menu or not. That'd be interesting, interesting to see how that works. Uh, it's cool because it actually says... Actually, also, they say Turbo Reproduction on them, too. There's no, okay, there's no way you can confuse these. So, again, it's counterfeit, but at least you, know, you can't see these resold for a lot of money. Don't bend, drop, or, or subject to shock. <laughs> camera's a little off. Keep away from static electricity, heat, water, and direct sunlight. Please put back into the case after you play. Hue card. So check it out. Actually, the eBay store is the same thing. It's TG16 PCE fan. And there's also the website as well uh, for that. I will never get one of these for the most part. But I guess I can see the reason why some people could. There you go. I'm telling you. There, there, there are exceptions here. This was an interesting piece of, of, of news. Yeah, this is cool. Just because, you know, this is a system that most people don't realize exists. Uh, We did bring it up on the video game years. Poison Spikes. 1978 video game years, I believe it was. A very goofy year. Video game years was very goofy up to like 80, anyway. It was very goofy. (laughs) Very, very few topics to cover. I remember me struggling with my RCA Studio 1 jokes. Uh, RCA Studio 2, Ian. Yes. Black and white system. And maybe, how many games? 24? Five? Yeah. Somewhere I'm not a big there. RCA Studio 2 expert, not a big collector, so don't burn me on this, everyone. Oh, there's 35. I don't fucking care. Uh, it was an esoteric system. Onboard beeps. It was antiquated even when it came out in 78 because they didn't have color. And 2600 came out a year before and had color. The Magnavox you know? Odyssey 2 had uh, like color and onboard sound. Or, yeah. I mean, sound through the TV. So, as Lance said, RCA, the people that brought you the radio, I think he said, in there. Um, so, there was a rumored cartridge, I guess that was hard to track down for, like the Holy Grail of the RCA. There's a Holy Grail of every system. Even your Emerson Arcadia 2001, you say you're going to start collecting for. But, uh... But for RCA Studio 2, there was a bingo game. Right. Which I had no idea, because I'm not a real video game collector, so I didn't know about this. With cards and chips and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because it's like it's almost like a throwback, throwback six years before, to the Odyssey 1, where you had, like, you know, poker chips and stuff for the games, and, you know, dice and stuff. And feelies, like feel- the Infocom games. So it's TV bingo. It's part of the TV Casino series. Program cartridge 18V601. Uh, 
for use with RCA Home TV Programmer. I guess that's the, the alternate name for the studio, too. Again, not a big expert. Includes bingo cartridge, 20 bingo cards, and 150 marker chips. Uh, so I'm guessing that you pass them out to your friends, and instead of having... You know, I, I've seen bingo games for sale before. Uh, or you, yeah, exactly. Stuff the like crank that. ball. The crank, the crank ball, and the, you pull up the cage. Yep. So I'm guessing this is the video version of that where it's a randomizer and just hits a bit, you know, it hits out a number, uh, B-I-N-G-O, and from whatever it is, 1 to 75, whatever, bingo. I used to play bingo, bingo, hold their conversation. Um, yeah, and then, the TV and then, on this, the, the, the video like, game it's not interactive. This, this is not interactive. It literally just would be B-17. And, and you and your friends would be like, oh, okay. G 35 I, I guess maybe there was a button for the next, probably for the next, Right, you know, so you you know you don't have to rush and so the old stamp. church lady doesn't you know go too just fast go too fast for those people. They're literally in my bingo experience. There'd be ladies that have like fifteen cars, and they had the the oh, cool yes. punchers. You know, they they mm-hmm. don't use the no, they the use chips. the dabbers. The dabbers, which are actually pretty fun, and they had the little stuffed animals and their sayings. And I could probably write a book about the bingo. The time I went to bingo for like two years while I was writing my script way back. I never even told me about that. Anyway, so one came up for auction. And I think it originally started at like seven hundred or, or excuse me, seven thousand or seven five hundred. They lowered it to thirty five hundred. Got one bit. Yeah, which is interesting. Because um, it's not like people that know about this. Atari Age posted about this because uh, people were like, "Oh, this exists." And then it turns out there was at least a couple of copies, and both of these I think were discovered in the Philly area, which is where I guess RCO RCA was. Their, yeah, it's it's where the production line for the Studio Two was. So now we're not sure if this was actually ever like commercially released or or if it was like so limited because this system was a quick quick death that maybe the, nine months maybe maybe they came out like in an RCA store like a local RCA you know what I mean? like and sold like so little of these that they never really got out. So this is the story that I was able to piece together from um, reading the Atari Age our favorite form. Just going to say, oh, you guys, a lot of sandwiches. Um, <laughs> the story that I was able to piece together was that this was never actually released. That this was likely sold off to employees or given away to employees as a late release title that basically never made it. Never had the chance. So they put it was because this isn't a prototype. This is like a production. Well, it was production, but uh, there was a lot of rumors about it not being final art. There not being some final things on it that would have been on final boxes, or there was, but they were rushing it. But the box is a box. There's instructions that are printed. The cartridge looks legit. So it might have made it out as like basically it might have gone out as like a demo piece might have there might have been a couple demos left behind at stores that got sold but mostly the feeling is is that it was given away or sold off very cheaply to people within the rca uh the, the rca company um because very few people, if any, could remember, including the... Uh, there's a very interesting thread with the RCA Studio 2 uh, production line manager. And there's very few memories of this ever making it to market. Um, that said, uh, so it's extremely rare. And, um, yeah, it's just... Um, the only known instances of it really showing up are at uh, flea markets... Like when people remember it, they don't remember seeing it in stores. They remember seeing it in flea markets in the area. All sightings of this to this date that people can recall uh, have come up in the area 
that would make sense for the location of where the Studio 2 was manufactured, where RCA was located, which, once again, and they're older guys, flea markets, junk sales, garage sales, um, you know, uh, church sales, that sort of things, uh, stuff that would have been given away to employees that was later sold off. And that's kind of the current theory as to how some of these have gotten out into the market. Um, which is interesting. I mean, this is kind of like the old rumor of the uh, of the um, stadium events being a very regional thing. Mm-hmm. Only this, only this, this actually appears to this be very true. true where it was a very much an RCA inside thing that was given away, and over the years, people were like, "Hey, I don't need this crap," and they tossed it out there. Someone noted it's interesting on, on at the track this thread. I, I have a chance to go through as much as you have. But they tracked, the, I guess, the part numbers, the RCA part numbers, and includes the front and back TV bingo game labels, as well as the instructions. So these were recorded as like, official parts, I guess, right. you can, if you had to, re- I guess, internally for production, or if you, I guess if you had to order a TV bingo instructions, there's a part number assigned to it. Oh, okay. So this is going to come out, yeah. it sounds like, when you, go, when you go that far. Which, again, it looks like a production cart that has a manual printed for it, so they got that far. You know, it's not just like some weird prototype, it was... Whatever it was, a late production prototype unreleased game. I think the thing was is they just they 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 it was I think they said it was a nine month from start to finish on the RCA Studio Two, and they never I think they just never bothered releasing this to stores. Um, there was somewhere in there uh, the production line manager said that they literally sold this for ten cents on the when, when the RCA Studio Two they realized that it was failing and they ditched it so quick. They sold it for the systems for ten cents on the dollar to sure. Radio Shack. And all Radio Shack just bought them out. So there was really no reason for them to bother with something like Bingo. What the and, hell? And at the at the rate that they, if Bingo was like the last game they were doing, there probably was no reason to get it out there. They probably just halted the production on Pretty Bingo. S- and like I said, they probably just gave it away to to, to internals. Pretty, pretty sad when your last game is something like Bingo. Right, when you That's, had things like Space Invader clones, I mean, granted... Yeah, I mean, Space War, you yeah. had, um... What was the... the Bowling gun, was a big one. The, the, the Gunslinger one. Uh, it might have even been called Gunslinger. Or Sharpshooter, uh, I think it was. No, 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 no. no, no I saw that today. That Gunfighter. Was Gunfighter. You had Gunfighter, which was like a takeoff of the one from, like, what, the Midway game from, like, what, 76, 77, yeah. where it's one-on-one, and you shoot at each other. It's Space War. That's an actual game. Fun with numbers. Tennis slash squash. Baseball. I think I have like five of these games. Well, I can go for the whole set besides bingo. Uh, baseball. Speedway slash tag. Gunfighter slash moonship battle. How, uh, schoolhouse 1. Schoolhouse 2. Math fun. Electric Boogaloo. Casino 1. Blackjack. Casino series. TV bingo. And the Mystic series. Biorhythm. What the hell's with the Biorhythm games in the late 70s? I never understood that on computers. Anyway. Uh, so... Then there's uh, ones that came out in, in France and Australia, which are almost the same exact things. And then in Japan, I don't know why this came out in Japan. That's kind of weird to see. Well, that's just... the thing. Like the U.S. version of Bingo is very hard, but apparently there is a European oh. version of Bingo. Yeah, you can actually get that. That uh, if I if I read the thread correctly, there is a European version and possibly a Japanese version of Bingo that did get wide releases. So what's interesting about this is that originally, like a lot of other stuff that's found, like for example, Stadium at Complete in Box, it was originally in a lot auction. Oh. It was just like, okay, here's a, you know, we got this uh, RCA Studio 2, 
You got the owner's manual. You got the swish box. We have, you know, you got blackjack, schoolhouse one, uh, fun with numbers, uh, tennis squash. And oh, yeah, this bingo cartridge is in here, too. Then, of course, probably everyone fucking flipped their shit. And this is what probably happened. I, I think I saw this mention. Someone tried to do a backdoor deal, probably, and said, oh, I'll give you, you know, $1,000 for all that, you know. And then was caused the person running the auction to be like, oh, what's going on here? And then looking it up and then discovering they had this one piece of gold and relisting it. So then you screwed over everyone else and might have gotten a deal. They got more money, that's good for them, but don't fucking do the backdoor deal shit. Hey, it's- folks, this is what I'm going to say, and it's uh, a number one rule of flea markets, too, and it's the same on eBay. Uh, keep your fucking cool. If yeah. you spot something, don't go nuts. Just go, mm-hmm, yep, all right. I'll take that. Because <laughs> you're always afraid that someone's also going to discover it. But this one, I was going to discover anyway. But I think people would have discovered if you did the backdoor deal and got it. They would find out who you are. Then again, it's not like there's a heavy RCA Studio 2, you know, conglomerate out there to toss them out, you know. I'm always searching for Studio 2. R- RCA, RCA Studio 2 age, that website would be like. I, I only buy it to lick the labels off the cartridges <laughs> and then throw them in the dumpster. You know what? Fuck that, Dean. I want a complete RCA Studio 2 set. So this is what I'm going to get at. This is probably... Who knows how many exist of these? 20? Who knows? Could be less than that that still exist. I think I think the thread somewhere in there that said 50 or less. That exist. Yeah. So we're talking a pretty rare game. We're talking like NWC Grey. Sure. Potentially. But who wants this cartridge? I was trying to think to myself, if I wanted to go for this cartridge, what would be my maximum I would spend? <laughs> I, and when I looked at it, I was tempted for a half second to bid at it at three thousand five hundred. Then I realized, what? It's not for bragging rights. I don't like the RCA Studio Two. It's not one of those things that, hey, Joe Santulli, put this in the video game history museum. Uh, why? It's bingo for RCA Studio Two. He'd be like, I don't care. Still, you know. So it's like, what? Who Let's ca- play. Let's play bingo on RCA Studio Two. Yeah. Wow, that could be interesting. You know, then we go, but we can get the we can get the foreign version though. That's easier okay. to find. Good, good, fair. So are you going to say for our completely unnecessary let's play show, which may or may not be starting up, we should do RCA Studio Two? Yeah. You want to? Can we do, run that through the uh, the upscaler to, to, to HD? Probably fucking not. <laughs> okay, but we'll find a way. But that's my point though. Is that I wonder if two or more of these ever? Because sometimes when this, these rare games come out in auction. <laughs> you were so excited for the last play. I think you actually want to do that. <laughs> I think I do. Jesus Christ. But when these, when these rare games come out, a lot of times people go, oh, I'll put my up, mine up now too because now people have an interest because they didn't know it existed before. How many fucking video game collectors even knew about this? I didn't know about this game existing. Esoteric system, esoteric game. Uh, so now if a second or third one comes out, would they even go for 1000 At an open auction, I don't think this would have reached 3500 3, open auction. No. Might have reached like eight hundred, seven hundred. I was thinking maybe five hundred. I'd bid on that just for shits and giggles and see what happened. You got a dude uh, sitting on a pile of money who's like, "Fuck it, I want it." And who knows? Maybe there's some uh, old disgruntled employee that stole all the RCA Studio Two merchandise when he was fired when the plant closed down. He might have a, a stack of them at home. You know, I'm just. Thinking, I've got forty nine. Nah, it's fifty. Some seven year old guy <laughs> went. This is my time. I'm waiting forever for this. I've got all of them. <laughs> you know, but the point the point is that even though something's very rare, it may be worthless. Okay. Or 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 not. Of course, here it was thirty five hundred. But if a couple more come out, they might be worth nothing. The good old Tengen Nintendo AC adapter is worthless, and there's not many of them out there. Okay. Probably less than an RCS 2 bingo. Let's play! That was Let's funny. Let's play. Yeah. All right. 
If there's nothing we like more, it's GameStop retro game stories. Okay, you I, can eliminate the we. I'm tired of them, but this we one, have to discuss. We this have to, I guess, because we were mentioned. And, and we were mentioned, and they said Pat. Well, and you were mentioned. They said Pat and Pat and Ian should talk about this, or at least tweet this to Pat Contry. Pat the NES punk in parentheses. He likes putting these in his podcast to remind people that GameStop is lying about meticulously checking games and just hoping you'll return it and not complain, which is absolutely true. I'm chopped liver. Can I be, at least be chopped tripe? That's good. So what is this, Ian? We've talked about fake, what, Earthbounds before? Chrono Triggers? Uh, Conker's Bad Fur Days. Con- that were like red or whatever they were. Uh, DuckTales 2. That, went, that actually went directly to my real-life local friend, Lincoln. Which is funny. It's fake! It's fake! It didn't happen! No, people, it did. He lives down the street from me. Fucking Barnes and Noble GameStop stock that are trying to think that this is all made up. Uh, okay, so this was Wild Guns. So, the, first of all, the person says that the pictures aren't very good. Just looking at it, this fucking label looks awful. The color saturation is dark and garbage. Uh, the back. The back is all wrong. You look at the shell. It doesn't say Nintendo in the little oval on the back. The SNES circuit board looks like utter bullshit. Yeah. It's not the right circuit board. Uh, This looks like a good old uh, AliExpress job, most likely. Yeah. He purchased it. The person purchased it. I guess they had a... People taking these risks always try to, like, apply their code, you know, their percentage, you know, off or whatever for their membership. Got it for $166. I mean, Wild Guns is a game that goes for like $200 on eBay for a real one, but there's so many fucking fake ones on eBay now you know, that you have to be careful. You know how you. you know yeah, my buddy just got burned on a Bloodlines and then finally got a real one, but he Jesus had to try God. twice on he had to try twice on, on eBay. You gotta ask for the board. He's gotta yeah. ask for the board pick. But, uh, you know, Wild Guns is one of those ones I've seen a couple in person recently where almost all of them, for some reason, they didn't, I guess, have a glossy label, so there's always like some white marks on it and the color's off. Uh, you know. So, this person got this Wild Guns from uh, GameStop, and guess what? It was fucking fake. And, of course, we'll go back to the same old, well, you can always return it. But like that person astutely said, maybe GameStop doesn't care, because even if, the, if 20% aren't returned, they win. You know, they make their money, and especially <laughs> since they already dished out a lot of money for these. They're going to be losing money, obviously, buying uh, repros. So what the fuck are they doing? And that's the dirty thing, and I honestly feel like we haven't really covered that much on here, but... Um, for every person who notices, there's got to be... At least one or two that don't. Oh, come on, You think more? Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking more. Uh, I'm being generous for, for GameStop, so... Yeah, I think we're thinking there's probably... I think for every person who notices, there's probably three to five people who don't. I mean, because not everyone is a hardcore collector. Not everyone is going to take it out of the bag and inspect the label and, you know... How many people are really going to take apart their carts and inspect the circuit board and be like... Whoa, this is obviously a bullshit newly manufactured circuit board. I, I don't think a lot of people are. Um, the, the, the user... Although then again, someone who's buying a $220 game is probably maybe going to do that. So maybe I'm wrong. But so, still. So the user was Hanareka. They took the risk because they figured, oh, I have my discount. I get a discount on this. Uh, you know, uh, But they said as soon as they opened the package, low quality, blurry label, very dark label that you pointed out, really saturated colors. Cheap, flims- flimsy plastic. Yeah, the plastic. That's I mean, what I always tell people: yeah. is immediately if you can grab the plastic and like hear a creak when you squeeze it, it's just cheap. It's flimsy. It, you got, uh, you got cart phone. color is like a whitish gray and looks like it came out of a 3D printer. Well, it might have. Um, and, and then no Nintendo logo on the back of the cart, which is what I said when I saw the picture. 
Uh, then he says, you would think they would actually open these up and check to make sure something was real for a 200 hour plus game. Why would they? They wouldn't. Luckily, I was able to return to the store, but I am mad. I actually needed this for my collection and was excited when I ordered this. Either way, be careful when ordering expensive cards from GameStop.com. They obviously don't check shit, which we've said time and time before, because their employees with their white gloves, their latex gloves, and their retro game restoration center bullshit fucking photo op. Remember that bullshit? Stop. Full stop. Hmm? Are we done? That video triggers me. It triggers you. Trigger war- trigger warning about that game. No, stop. seriously, that video fucking enrages me to like no one. That video is just was fucking angry. It's so upsetting. Was it a video or just the pictures taken? They actually had a no, video. No, there was. I, I don't remember if there was a. No, there was a video. There was a video no, of the people. Or there's over- pictures. I don't know. I'm remembering <laughs> trauma that may or may not have happened, but it's fucking awful. <laughs> with their bit drivers, they had the, the drawers of everything. I'm gonna break your chair with my forearms. <laughs> I'm gonna break it right in half, right <laughs> over my back. I'm gonna pick it up and break it right over my back. Muscle Buster style. We're done. We're done. Alright, so be careful out there when ordering from GameStop. Of course, the, that one was like, well, I got a great deal. There's the You think those people that are got fucked over are gonna be posting all the time they got fucked over because you got a great deal doesn't you know, it doesn't counteract I think that. I broke a blood vessel somewhere. <laughs> Probably in your anus. Probably in my anus. <laughs> right. So, more interesting things from the Sega that just doesn't care anymore. They wear um, sunglasses indoors. Uh, <laughs> they're rocking the pony with the multiple ties. They're doing, what? They're doing the drugs. Um... But no, this is pretty funny. They say you don't give a shit anymore. They don't give a shit anymore. Um, so they released a 3D Sonic fan game that, by all accounts, is pretty decent called Green Hill Paradise well, Act Well, Sega 2. didn't release it. Uh, no, no. Uh, it was a fan game that was yeah. released called Green Hill Paradise Act 2. Uh, 3D game. Yep, 3D. And uh, the Game Grumps played it. And uh, Sega noticed, and uh, the official uh, Sega account left a comment. Sonic the Hedgehog on YouTube. Yep. And uh, left a comment uh, that said, BRB DMCA time. Oh, just kidding. Keep making great stuff, Sonic fans. And (laughs) it's interesting because Sega is constantly taking jabs at Nintendo and it's neat because Sega really, I think, does want to foster a fan community. They they really do want to see Sega fans having a good time with the glory days of Sega past. The, the The difference is is Sega is in a position where they can do that. They don't have a fucking choice. They don't. They gotta do, they gotta throw every shit against the wall and hope it sticks. <laughs> Right. So it's not like, yay, Sega's the good guys. Tells me, they don't have a choice. Well, they really don't, though. They, they don't. have no room for error or bad will. No. They really don't. But it's still cute, and it's still <laughs> well, kind of endearing. What's endearing is that the person that made the game, I guess on YouTube, uh, left a comment as well, said, I don't know what to say. Thank you. I'm so happy you've seen this. I've only just now seen this comment. My heart is racing faster than the pitter-patter of Sonic's feet. <laughs> 
Which is cute. Yes. You put a lot of time, obviously, making this game. Hundreds, if not a thousand hours or more making this game. And then sort of know. seeing, you know, a takedown, you, you you see the thumbs up of, you know, the blue blur, you know, telling you to keep on doing what you're doing. And, I mean, that's a big thing to a fan. Um, but like you said, S- Sega's not really in a position to, to say, you know, get the fuck uh, out of here well, with this. Uh, going back to our point... Uh, uh, this article writer on fucking shit Kotaku said, Sega's latest dunk on their litigious competition shows a massive difference in how fan content is approached, and I think they've got it right. Again! Again, they're not Nintendo. No, right. They're in an entirely different position. They're the shit on Nintendo's shoe right now. You know, it, it, they don't matter. They have to do whatever they can to not only get into the, the fans' good graces. You saw the at Comic Con that performance. Ian was there. Yeah. You know, that's that's all they have to show is an awkward concert with a person and a Sonic costume dancing around, wearing giving out fucking hot dogs. That's where Sega is at right now. That was actually a really good time. <laughs> but no, really, you, you see it, my it's, point though. It's it's it, no, it's it's like I said, it's the burnout director who's sitting in a corner booth, sunglasses on. <laughs> Uh, yo, can I make a sequel to your movie? Yeah, have a good time. Because yeah. I ain't doing it. Because I'm not making any money on anything <laughs> yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So someone should be doing it. Right. Um, well, let's talk about this pre-order that even you got in on. Yeah, however, you know, once again, there is kind of another fan game coming out because they really pulled on some indie studios and uh, some fans that Sega did actually use for some remakes and ports of systems. Um the Sonic Mania, uh, the limited edition. Limited edition, people. Limited edition. We're open one up right now. We got one right here to open up. It's Donruss. Donruss. Get on flat. We got eighty-seven Donruss. <laughs> we got a couple flapjack knives and <laughs> moth blades. Never gets old. All right. No, never does. Let's get some um, in here. So this uh, collector's edition doesn't actually come with a physical copy, which sucks. That stinks. Yeah, come on. It, it does. But um, it. Uh, they they put the money elsewhere. Um, it comes with a really cool one foot statue of Sonic sitting on top of a miniature Mega Drive slash Genesis. And when you flip the power switch, it says Sega. Um, it also comes with a a, a, um, a little mold of a Genesis Sonic Mania cartridge. It's got a cartridge. It's a little cartridge. And when you pull out, when you it get this, it looks like a Sega cartridge. <laughs> but when you pull out the circuit board, there's a gold ring. There's a gold ring. Everyone, everyone gets a golden ring. These are selling on eBay right now for $195. <laughs> All right. And then you get, I should have saved my joke for this, a metallic collector's card with Sonic Mania manual, Sonic Mania download code. So that's and where you get your di- game. Code. That's where you get your game. Supposedly that comes in some sort and of... And an Altered Beast rookie card. <laughs> that supposedly comes in some sort of retro-styled case, too. It's neat that the card is metallic, so it's not just some cheap cardboard piece of crap. And it's going to be $70. 70 bucks, which I think is reasonable. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if you look at the pricing of statues, depending on the quality of the statue, all around it's pretty good. At bad. first I looked at it, and I'm like, this is really cool. Um, I like old Sonic games. The game interests me. My wife is really into Sonic, and I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I want the game anyway. My wife is going to want the statue. I said, I'm going to get the statue. We both think it's cool. It's and- Windows 8, Windows 7, by the way. And, and and I think it'll run on Windows 10. Um, I got the PS4 version because they're doing it for PS4 and Windows or micro, uh, oh, They are with this Xbox One. Edition? Yep. Okay. So I got Amazon the PS4 version. They're doing Xbox One and Steam. Um, 
But, you know, I always talk trash about all the other collector's editions and how it's like, you know, it's all garbage and nonsense. And I, I really realized when I was buying this... That this is garbage, too? Well, no. It, it's just mean. because lots of people on Twitter... I mean, if you looked on Twitter yesterday when it was announced... <laughs> Shitloads of people were like, "This is really cool," and you don't get that with like the Modern Warfare or most other collectors editions. Most people poo-poo all over that shit, and I I'm looking at it, and like I said, you don't see the excitement for other collectors editions that do this stuff, but you really did for this. And I'm wondering what it is about this one as opposed to other ones that makes people so excited about this. Is it's, it, an, it's an old console and people are nostalgic. It comes in a box that looks like a Genesis style. Yeah, the, is, it, is it just did they, did they nail yeah, their never. market just yeah. right? Because there were people after I had um, said that I broke down and pre-ordered this that were like, I don't even like Sonic, but I contemplated this one. So, I mean, it's obviously hitting some notes and some heartstrings here. So, I, I mean, I think it's pretty cool. And like I said, knowing what prices statues go for, I, I'm not expecting fucking cold cast resin. I'm expecting PVC here. It's going to be cheap. Yeah, it's going to be cheap. But it's going to be cool. Um, I, I am excited about that game. Um, I do think that they put together a nice little set for the 70 bucks. thing is how the game is probably going to be 20 or 30 as they, it is. Um, they couldn't? I mean, I'm, man, what if you... What if you've had a Genesis controller pass through as a USB device somehow through this system? That would have been cool. That would have been cool, too. It would have cost another 10 bucks probably, but you could have There would have been a lot more neat things they could have done with it, but I just, I, I liked it. I liked the way it looked. I, I'm happy with it. So, I, I, and the thing is, is, I mean, people need to know, I never, ever, ever do collector's editions. Are you going to open this up and you... I mean, there's nothing really to use besides the download card. You're gonna oh, flip, no. I mean... You're going to flip this fucking on and off switch 50,000 times to hear it say Sega? No. I mean, Vani... I mean, we have a library and there is a case with statues. Vani will display the statue. Um, I mean, I'll use the code for the download. The cartridge will get put somewhere. I mean, every... I mean, I mean every... I'm not going to keep this in the box. Can I check out your Dewey Decimal system in your library? Fuck off. Your card catalog. <laughs> so we have a library... We read books. We had the stamp with the. We changed the date on that. Remember those stamps? You know, libraries aren't just places where you take things out. It's, it is a room in a house where you keep your books. How, how, how? What percentage of books is in this library? What, what versus toys? What percentage? Eighty. Eighty percent books. Yeah, we have really? a shitload of books. All right, I'm gonna start start loading them out to me. I'm gonna get a card, and we're gonna have it. I'm gonna start getting them and taking them out. Then you better like graphic novels because it's most. Oh no, it's, it's not books. It's graphic novels. Those Different. are still books. Not fucking They're books. They're fucking bound. Fucking <laughs> bound. <laughs> Eat my bolidium. Anyways, let's move on. Oh, big word. This was a cool story. I'm glad you're sick, Ian, in general. <clears throat> but no, I'm glad you were sick because we would never have talked about this if we recorded this the day we were originally supposed to. Because I didn't know this got leaked online. Now, vid- some videos and cutscenes of this game have been leaked before. But never the entire game by our Russian hacker, good old Russian hackers. Warcraft Adventures, Lord of the Clans, was leaked online for download and mostly complete, including cutscenes, intro. Um, no, from what I heard, the actual playable build is missing the cutscenes. But oh, okay. Well, they may. But, but the cutscenes are there. Well, you can put them in. So, someone yeah. will be probably ingenious with the fucking splice them in. But the point of that is, this is playable. I, there's a long play online. It's like two and a half hours. Yep. Uh, I remember this being advertised. 
and seeing this, and I don't remember where. I, I'm not going to lie and pretend I remember where, but I do remember seeing all these uh, images of this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was Game Pro or PC Gamer, Gamer in the late probably 90s. PC Gamer. But this was supposed to come out, I believe, in 98, about. I think it originally made in 97. So this is like, remember, Warcraft 2 came out in about 95, 96. And so this is, that was a huge fucking game. You know, Not it, really that long ago. Yeah, we're old. And then you had the expansion pack, and then this was going to follow on that success. So this is going to be a point-and-click, you know, point-and-click adventure game, uh, very similar style as something like Full Throttle, sort of Lucas Art style, where you're mostly contained in one environment, and then uh, the game doesn't allow you to die. It looks like, uh, which is different from like the Sierra style, where you could die. Yeah, I, even Sierra, I think, started adopting towards the end, but certainly like Monkey Lucas Island, Arts, they would start adopting. Um, like, but but a lot of the adventure games towards the end. Towards the 90s, I think, to try to make them appeal to more gamers, eliminated the random stupid deaths. So, like the LucasArts games, uh, this was uh, hand drawn. Um, the animation looked nice, actually. Animation looked pretty good. It was actually the same team that did like those CDI Zelda games. That's why, if you, if you notice, sort of that same sort of style, it, it, it looks it, very similar. It does, but. A bit better. Uh, well, they had Blizzard some had a little bit more money. This but it's the it. same style. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Uh, so, the story is is that it's an orc that's uh, really it's thrall. Really, yeah, thrall. Uh, well, I guess one of the I don't, I don't remember the fucking story at all. But thrall is a fucking main character in this. But uh, graphic violence in this, by the way, which we we'll get into graphic fucking violence for a point and click adventure mm-hmm. game. Um, they kill uh, humans. Find the, the, a bunch of orcs. They kill them off. And there's a little baby. And they take on the baby, raise it as a slave, and then uh, he, he in the game this orc escapes. Uh, voiced by Clancy Brown. At first, I was like that sounds like Clancy Brown. It was Clancy Brown, which is funny because Clancy he plays he plays uh, uh, Black Hands in in the movie. Yep, voices Black. So very interesting. Clancy Brown fucking rules. Uh, anyway, so this is very much in the style of like we said those mid to late 90s uh, point-and-click games. What's interesting is that, if you look at it, if you remember those first two Warcraft games, they're very tongue-in-cheek. There is a good amount of humor to those games, which carries over into here, which is shocking just because of the the violence in this game. Like I said, you see, uh, it's off-screen, but you see blood. You see an orc getting its throat slashed by a human. You see an orc dead with an arrow through its head with blood. Yeah, I mean, this is this is some graphic. Yeah, shit. Wait, there's a there's a part where you're picking a a, a shield off of a uh, an orc and his that, face is yeah. slashed, or what, it was maybe it was an that, arrow, the arrow or spear. It was a yeah. spear in his head. So I watched about it the first hour of gameplay, and it wasn't all violent, but it's it's in there. It's like it weaves its, weaves itself in there and throughout. I uh, think they advertised it even as like, or they were going to as like black humor, which is it, it is kind to, of an, to an extent. For. But I would, I, I, from what I saw, it wasn't really dark comedy. It was just uneven tone. Yes, it would it, it go wildly from, oh, that's funny puns and stuff, choking the chicken and stuff, and then there's a fucking dead orc, flat shitty humor, and then death, and then death, <laughs> which might be a hint about why they canceled a game that was just about complete. Because it really is not a great game. Mm-mm. I don't think even for the time, it probably would have been... I think it would have done okay for the time, but since adventure games like this were dying out in the late 90s by this time, um, I don't think it would have sold extremely well. I think it would have got... Maybe not Pam would be like, okay, it's just a game. It's just there. 
You know, like, who cares? You know, like, would fans of Warcraft 2 have bought it? Maybe some, but I think most would have stayed away from it. Well, I think another big thing was, is as you watch it, um, th- it was obviously weirdly slapstick in how they dealt with some of the bigger villains. Villains that I only know tangentially from people who have played World of Warcraft, but villains that played huge roles in the MMO and in current modern lore of Warcraft who are dealt with and killed in this game in very slapstick and comedic ways. Uh, like a certain like uh, dragon, Deathwing, Darkwing, or whatever, that's literally... Oh, the, ki- the flyers? Like the, it's a big black dragon that's literally okay. killed in this game later on in like late, like two hours in, I think. I didn't get that far away. You know, you get, like, I I was skipping through and I watched, like, the part because it was noted. Like, you literally get swallowed by the dragon. um, And this is a dragon in one of the expansions that, like, lays waste to the, like, uh, in in, in World of Warcraft. Like, like, lays waste to, like, the whole countryside and is, like, a big badass. In in this game, if this were to be canon, uh, you get swallowed by it and you pinch off its fire breathing gland with like a clamp and it coughs you out and you kill it. Oh, like, okay. Like, so, like I think they may have looked at what they wanted to do with the future of it and looked at what they were doing with this game and been like, yeah, I don't know that this is really going to gel with what we have in store. So we have, we so we basically we have a, a production where it obviously got greenlit. Obviously this is a game that was probably, like I said, done tons of animation i feel so bad for the animators oh because this was was a basically complete product all the voice acting all the puzzles it's there they could they could could put this out today just intersplice the cutscenes with it Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you have the production team saying well maybe maybe this is too slapstick and this isn't what you said the future of our franchise i mean i'm not sure that they knew they were doing world World of warcraft yet right but they knew they wanted to do something with and maybe have it a little more serious like I said, this isn't to me dark comedy. Like I said, this is just uneven tone, right? All I over agree. the place. And even Warcraft two and one, while there were humorous elements, it was still a somewhat serious game in that you were fighting for human survival in Warcraft two after you're losing in Warcraft one. It was just that there was, it was sprinkled in with humor. While this is just what the fuck is this? Um, so this brings us to another conversation. So Blizzard's obviously trying to get this get this taken down everywhere, DMCAing it and, and whatever. Um, they didn't want this released for obvious reasons. They didn't like the quality of the game. You know, it was finished. Everyone was paid. Do they do they owe it to anyone to have this released or to let this exist? Being that they have this done, it does, being that this is so old and that this is a part of a historic franchise property, do, who do you side with if you're going to side with someone? Does this deserve to see the light of day and be preserved for everyone to play? I mean, now that it's out there, it's going to be out there forever. But I mean. Or is it their property? They should have said, "Okay, we don't want. I want to see this garbage. Let's fucking destroy it." Like they did with their fucking, uh, you know, the Fantastic Four Roger Corman version or whatever, where they bought it and destroyed it. And now it's only in bad VHS form. Um, I'm kind of big on game preservation, so I I believe that it should be preserved. Which uh, it probably is back at whatever Blizzard's warehouse somewhere. It's not like they destroyed everything. With no, it. I I believe it should be out there. I mean, they don't have to recognize it. They don't have to recognize it as canon. Um, I just don't believe that anything should be destroyed that that many people put, you know, obviously that much time into. This isn't a 10-minute, 20-minute proof of concept. This is something that someone was able to make a a two-and-a-half-hour long play out of. So that's kind of where I stand on it. I'm not saying Blizzard has to recognize it. 
I'm not saying that they need well, to. They have to protect their their obviously their their IPs and their copyright though. Sure. So maybe the best approach would be to put this out. Maybe not as his own standalone game, but maybe as if I don't know, they could probably sell it on Steam for ten bucks and they'll sell a million of them because people will be interested in seeing it. But just do something with it at some point. Put it as an extra on, I don't know, the, the, tw- the fuck is this the twentieth anniversary of Warcraft Give 2 it this a year? Stupid name like the Ultimates or like what DC did. Just the ult- a fucking different name, like a different world, you know, just so people don't take it, it as it, fucking canon. Yeah, because I know because when this came out, there wasn't like the huge lore there is now, and all people take yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So take it. So just fucking put it out there. Something stupid. Put it on oh, Steam then. Oh, a what if, like a Marvel what if or something like that. Sure. I just okay. I, if it's out there, they might as well make their money off of it. That is true. May, and they, maybe they're planning on doing that. Uh, you know, we don't know. Uh, but yeah, okay. So you can see the. Cutscenes are online, um, and then you have. I mean, this person in the long play even went through like uh, making sure he looked at everything to hear all Clancy Brown's. You know, basically almost every iteration you could of looking at everything and trying to touch. Yeah, it got a little tiring when he went through every no, 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 no well, possibility. That's preserving it to different. It is. I understand to some extent. Damn, I love Clancy Brown. You know, this is the 20th anniversary of Highlander Jesus. this year. Like, I think it's like next month already. Where's that fucking special edition? Well, they they lost the lost footage. It's lost. It's literally lost. It burned up. I was talking about Highlander rules. Oh yeah, we'll do a Highlander podcast topic next month. Are there any any final, final thoughts on Warcraft Adventures: Lord of the Clans? Yeah. All right, Ian spoken. All right, Ian. You know we love. We're big on talking about mixed martial arts and UFC. We always talk about it. Yeah, we sure do. The only reason we really talk about this because we brought this up before about uh, Phil Brooks, aka CM Punk. He quit and or was fired from WWE, officially, I think, let go uh, around June of 2014. I uh, was sick and tired of, of direction. He wasn't wrestle- He wasn't made of anything WrestleMania. His last official match was getting tossed out of, by Kane in the Royal Rumble 2014 as one of the final four. Uh, signs a contract with uh, UFC, which is Ultimate Fighting Championship, in December of 2014. A multi-fight deal wasn't known at the time how many fights. Um... It was a big deal at the time. Made headlines because he's a wrestler coming in, and then at that point, it was him trying to train and to find a partner, uh, find a part, find a, find a someone to fight against, and then dealing with some nagging injuries. He had a couple of injuries, a couple of setbacks. Originally, he was going to fight uh, in 2014. Then it was going to be middle of 2000 and uh, excuse me, middle of 2015 and then pushed back to 2016 back injury, so finally he fought at UFC, uh, what is that, 203? One just passed and he fought a 24 year old Jersey guy hey Jersey, uh, Mickey Gall who was 2-0 and in UFC young young stud and CM Punk Phil Brooks got absolutely destroyed in this Threw fight. one punch uh, very straight, it was basically <laughs> Uh, it looked like he, he was reaching. He was. I mean, it was an amateur. Poke. It was. It was. It was an amateur versus a professional, yeah. which is what most people expected. I talked to Norm, my pal Norm. I thought it'd make it to the second round. I said it'd be a victory if it lasted all three rounds. If he just survived, it'd be a moral victory. Uh, he comes in uh, just to recap the fight real quick. I mean, we've already been talking just about as long as the actual fight uh, took. It was only two two minutes, and like fifteen seconds or fourteen seconds. Uh, CM Punk rushes in way too hard on a guy that has. Superior jiu-jitsu experience, double leg takedown, gets mauled a little bit with some ground and pound, goes to side control, uh, 
takes his back, eventually smashes the shit out of him. CM Punk's ear was fucking destroyed. It looks like CM Punk flipped to his back almost purposely, and I don't, I didn't get that. Like well, I, I've it, watched it, it multiple times. It could be a defense from getting smashed from okay. from a mount position if you're fe- fearful of that. Uh, um, Gall tried to uh, put in a choke. Uh, Punk defended it. He got smashed around again. Went back to the choke, and he got it. So, at the time, I remember Ian saying, "You said uh, that you wanted to see him get his ass kicked," and I said, "I really don't want to see him get his ass. I don't want to see anyone really get their ass kicked." No, but I did want to see him made an example of, and I'm glad it happened uh, because I think CM Punk has been one of the most hypocritical assholes during this entire uh, dream of his. Uh, because CM Punk was a guy that was bashing guys like The Rock coming back, guys like Lesnar as these part-timers coming back to wrestler, wrestle. They're taking a full-time wrestler spot. They don't deserve it. And here you have a guy, CM Punk, with absolutely no real martial art experience, no mixed martial art experience, no professional fighting experience, coming on, signing a big contract, and I'll get into how much he was paid later, and taking a main pay-per-view spot. He was second to last on the card. He was second to last to the heavyweight championship fight that came afterwards. And all this build-up and providing an absolute non-entertaining fight that I guess only CM Punk hardcore fans wanted to watch um, did a good buy rate. It did do a good buy rate, but was, I thought, disgraceful to the sport and a slap in the face to real guys working at their craft, guys who are fighting for and training for 10, 15 years that hoped to make it one day in the UFC, and they had to see that performance. And it was like I said, it was absolutely disgusting. I, I'll, get, I'll come back to it. I want to get your thoughts on it. Okay, so here are my thoughts on it. Um, not a huge CM Punk fan. Um, was definitely a bit more fiery about it when the whole thing happened. Definitely felt it was... Uh, an attention grab. I, 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 you and I had kind of had a conversation about it yesterday that started off with my initial feelings. I got your feelings on it. And your feelings actually did kind of change my feelings on it a bit when we were discussing actually whether or not we were going to record last night based on how I was feeling. Um, and I read a little bit more. But, um, I mean, first of all, I, I got no joy in the end, from watching CM Punk lose. I didn't either. I, I, I didn't. I didn't get any joy from that at all. Um, in reality, I don't really get any joy from that sort of thing, you know, for the most part. Um, I, you know, I kind of like watching, you know, Zack Snyder get, you know, knocked around a little bit. You want bit, to see Zack Snyder in the, in the octagon? Anyway. <laughs> um, but I did it. Um, and... And I, there's a lot of asterisks to this. Uh, CM Punk's speech afterwards got to me a little bit, you know, journey, the trying, the, you know, you got to do what you want to do thing. But I think that only really got to me because I'd had a conversation with a friend recently where he was trying to do some new things. And as I get older, I'm usually the, you know, you got to do what you want to do. You got to try things type of guy. As I get older, I get a little bit more cautious I feel like more cautious than maybe I should be with my advice. And I, I, I felt kind of bad listening to that. I'm like, you know, probably should have told this, this friend who doesn't listen to the podcast. It's just not in his sphere. I'm like, I probably should have been a bit more encouraging about these things. So I felt bad, but, um, a couple things to say. One, when I saw the amount of money 
that Punk made compared to Gall. Which was five hundred thousand dollars to thirty to thirty, which is about standard for a fighter starting out. Fifteen to show and fifteen if you win, which is about what a start uh, fighter starting out gets. I felt sick um, for a couple of reasons. One, CM Punk got this handed to him on a platter. Two, uh, you want to talk about dreams? You want to talk about following your dreams? Uh, Mickey Gall is following his dreams. Mm-hmm. Mickey Gall is living his dreams. Mickey Gall is the guy who was probably told, hey, you're chasing the impossible. Hey, you're doing this. You're doing that. And Mickey Gall is the guy who's making it happen. CM Punk. I'm not in CM Punk's head. Maybe this is something he really wants to do. I'm not going to pass judgment on him for that, but you know what, coming off, just from how it looks, coming out of the WWE and being like, I, I feel like it was kind of an, I'm going to show them. Sure. And, you know, I I, I don't, I want to be cautious and not downplay what people want to do. I understand, like I said, it's something that's been on my mind a lot lately with my friends and myself, but the money, the situation that led up to it, the fact that other fighters were denied the opportunity for Punk and the fact that Mickey Gall has been putting his all into this and got the short end of the stick left a bad taste in my mouth. I think I I was kind of stunned from the amount of people. First of all, CM Punk I think as the fight grew closer realized he was in trouble. The word on the street, I mean you can see in those they, they had the whole promo video section uh, build up to him where it's showing him training early on. I'm not saying that I'm an expert at throwing a punch or will ever be, but CM Punk couldn't throw a fucking punch when he was hitting the training mitts. And that's what people are pointing on that. He just doesn't have the talent to do that. And so in order to learn to do that, it's going to take a very long time. And with someone like Mickey Gall, who's been training in martial arts for probably for at least 10 years since he was probably like a young kid. Right. And he's young. And he's hungry, and he needs that to survive. CM Punk is a millionaire from WWE. He's 37. An old 37 for how banged up his body is from 20 years of professional wrestling. He doesn't need uh, UFC, MMA world in order to survive. He can get his ass kicked and get paid handsomely and get go home, and who the hell cares? You know, He has nothing to risk by losing. Right. Basically. People are saying, oh, he's so brave. Is it really brave if you're going and getting paid half a million dollars to get beat around for two minutes? I'll do that. Fucking sign me up right now. Beat me up for two minutes. Give me half a million dollars. What is so fucking brave about that? Nothing. Every UFC... What's brave is that you're going in a UFC fighter and getting paid maybe ten grand to do it, knowing that if you lose, that could be your only fucking shot ever. You lose, you're gone, you're back to the fucking Idaho uh, carnival and fighting in front of 50 people. Right. That's bravery. That's putting your life on the line. Your, your career. Yeah. He showed no fucking bravery at all. And that really pissed me off to see people, people say that. You know, no risk at all for CM Punk. Maybe his pride. And yeah, he, he deserved to eat some humble pie after that. You know, it's good to see him humbled that time. I, I, that's that's what the only thing I didn't enjoy. I didn't see him get his ass kicked, but I did I deserve, deserve him seeing get cut down a peg or two. 
being like, what the fuck were you thinking? And now you don't see the hypocrisy at all after you going off on guys like The Rock. Guys like The Rock who earn their spot and earn their part-time status, some of the biggest draws in the business ever, uh, complaining about guys like that coming back. And you can say, okay, well, Dana White came to him uh, with the offer, and then uh, Dana White said you should fight in the UFC, not fight over. Well, CM Punk didn't have to agree to that. He should have seen what was happening. Right. He's, his his reputation is forever damaged from this, in my opinion. Well, I guess it, it comes down to this. Um I think for me, and this will be my final word. And by the way, I was, I was a fan of CM Punk wrestling. I, I wasn't really. Um, some of his indie stuff. But I guess my, my final words on this are, would be this. Um, if you really want to do something uh, flat out, you, you should take that risk. But And you should. You should do it. Don't, don't just do what you... I mean, if you really feel like you want to try something, just try it because not trying it is is worse and that's actually i believe quoting something from cm punk but that's because uh some of cm punk's fucking speech was cliches but they're 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 decent cliches there is definitely a risk to not trying um but cm punk used to always talk about these big guys coming in and taking away the shots from the little guys Mm -hmm. and the more i think about it cm punk coming in making 500 to Mickey Gall's 30 because Mickey Gall won is a situation of CM Punk coming in and taking away shots from little guys. You could say that this got more eyes on the sport, but not for the right reasons. Right. This is a freak show. And the UFC prides itself on having real fights. The ones that had freak show fights like uh, Elite XC, which the last pay-per-view or, or last event on TV they had, had Kimbo Slice, rest in peace, as a main eventer. Kimbo Slice was a terrible mixed martial artist. You cannot build your brand to be taken seriously with freak fights. This was literally, or, or almost like literally picking, hey, come out in the crowd and fight this professional fighter, and it would have been the same exact result. Right. And, he, and he, we, martial arts isn't something, like I said, yeah, CM Punk trained for a year and a half. That is nothing compared to these guys that are training for 10, 15 years or longer. You cannot catch up that quickly. Dana White even said his next fight should probably not be in the UFC. He then walked it back. Uh, Punk has, I think, a three-fight contract, which means he, we can watch him twice more get his ass kicked. But here's the problem. Who are you going to have him fight? A 2-0 and o guy destroyed him. So you're going to have him fight a 0-0 zero and zero guy? That's a joke. You you, the, you cannot have that in the UFC. You can't. You're going to have him fight a 37-year-old that hasn't fought before? Get me in there then. You know, get me. I'll train and fight him. I'm like, wh- wh- who are you going to get? Jason David Frank, Green Ranger? That and pay, that'd probably be a better fight. They should just do that one. I think it's a joke. Everyone wanted to see it. And I think, yeah, yeah, you got a better buy rate, but no one's going to tune into the next two fights with him if they put him on. Like, why? They're going to put him on free TV, if anything. But then they're going to lose $500,000 each time if they got to pay him. So... So anyway, all right. Q and A time on the CU podcast. People are going to say, "Oh, you're going to fight Punk now." All right, give me five hundred thousand dollars. Why not? Um, at Herb Beta Patch, should bugs be ignored for reviewing modern game releases as they could be patched out in later releases? First time we have a question be the same as the guy's name, by the way. <laughs> Um, no, uh, not, not exactly. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot more as, as games come out 
and, and they get better. Uh, w- one in particular stuck out in my mind because I actually bought it for my father the other day on PC, and it was a game that was riddled with bugs when it came out, and that was uh, Fallout New Vegas, which ended up being one of my favorite, probably my favorite Fallout game of the at least of the modern ones, um, and it grew to be a great game. Um, you have to take what's handed to you day one. And you have to review it as, as it's given to you. Especially something that back then was, you know, reviewed on a system that not everyone had connected to the internet. But you have to take your day one experience because a lot of people are going to buy on day one. And you have to review it as such. Um, that said, I do think there's something to be said about maybe in... Especially around the holiday season, maybe. October, November taking some of these big releases that were maybe marred by bugs and uh, maybe doing an update review on them based on patches and bug fixes. I'm not saying you gotta you gotta blow them, but if a game came out in a, a game that was big came out in you know, uh, September or something or, or, or June or in the spring and has had significant fixes to it where it was broken and is now a much better, more playable game, uh, maybe give it a secondary review or a secondary glance and say, hey, this was fixed, this was fixed. Doesn't excuse the shape that it came out in, but it's much more playable now. Um, it's a much more enjoyable experience. I don't like that games are often shipped in a broken state uh, because they know they can fix them later, but a game can drastically improve over the course of patches. A person who is not a buyer on day one, and there are lots of people who do not buy on day one, may find themselves enjoying a game a lot better if they're buying it four months down the line. Huh. I, th- I guess it, it depends to me if there are features or bugs that are being patched or being put in. No, I, I'm talking about bugs. I'm not necessarily bugs. talking about features. I'm talking bugs. Okay. So if there are bugs, okay, if there are bugs. Are they game breaking or are they just annoying? You know, if it's something that's game breaking, oh yeah, I think that they absolutely that should be noted because yes. because that's the that's the product that you're selling to someone. It's like getting a sandwich and there's no like bread. You know, how are you gonna eat that? Open face. I'm not a big open face guy. Just freaks me out. <laughs> Meatloaf open face doesn't appeal to me. But yeah, but if it's something that's eh, is kind of annoying or maybe eh, every once in a while the, maybe the game crashes one inside of a thousand times, not a big deal. Uh, but this is the norm. This is where we're at with modern games, obviously. Is there anything bug-free that ever comes out anymore? No. Well, there's one system that was going to come out with bug-free games, but unfortunately... I forgot the name it. of it. Me too. I don't, I don't know. I think it was the Intellivision something. Uh, anyway. Oh, um, the Intellivision VCR? <laughs> but no, you can't ignore them because that's the product people are getting. Yeah. It's, it's like watching a movie... And if, you, if you're watching the movie and, like, the sound mix is bad or, like, it wasn't spliced correctly together, it's like, you can't ignore it. And that's that's the product you're watching or that's what you're listening to. That's what it is. <laughs> A lot more people buy games on launch or close to launch these days because so many games have tied in um, online features and online for a lot of games can pass you by if you don't buy them close to launch. 
with how fast first-person shooters come out or the hot new online game comes out, that if you don't buy it right away, you miss a significant portion of the game. So by the time those features get fixed, um, you know, it may be too late. So yes, you have to take that into account. But I do think it is possible for a game to reach its true potential through patches and fixes. Uh, like I said, a good example would be uh, Fallout New Vegas, uh, given time. So uh, this is a little bit of a, uh, a halfway question, and I, I, I think you know some games do deserve revisiting. I guess, we, or else we get to the point where you have to have like leeway or grace period for new games that come out. Well, we'll give it a couple weeks and then review it. Can't review some places it. do do that. They do that. Yeah, they'll be like. As of right now, it's this. We'll check back in a month. Don't remember Danny Sullivan having a review like that. That was bug-free right out of the gate. Right. Absolutely zero bugs. Zero bugs. It was on cartridge. At regular Nintendo, how do inserts affect the prices of complete in-box games, or does complete in-box also mean inserts, for example, maps and subscription cards? I think it largely depends on the game that you're buying. Um... If you take, for instance, a copy of Danny Sullivan's Indie Heat, uh, I think a lot of people are going to be happy with uh, cartridge, manual, maybe foam, nice condition box. They're probably going to consider that complete enough. Uh, you know, um, that's fine. Uh, posters are always a nice bonus. Um, I think it has to be subscription cards to me never matter because those aren't unique. Right, exactly. The, that's something unique. unique to the publisher. That's replaceable. Yeah. Uh, the posters were generally uh, unique among a run of games among a publisher, so they're replaceable. It depended. Like something like Xenophobe came with a Xenophobe poster, but you can get like a Sunsoft generic poster. That's what I mean. Like yeah. the, the, the ones that advertised a bunch of different games. Those ones that, you, that, like Terminator 2, I'm trying to remember Total Recall had a Total Recall poster, so it was specific to it. However, you take something like Final Fantasy 3. Uh, for the Super Nintendo. A Final Fantasy 3 that's just box manual cartridge is going to go for less than a copy that's box manual cartridge poster, which is going to go for less than one that's box manual cartridge poster and map. Um, so it really does depend. I think it's I think maps are the big one. Something like Dragon Warrior, you got to have some of the maps and stuff. Yeah, maps, maps definitely, and I think individualized specific posters, things like the letter from Mike Tyson, the uh, Red letter Racer for, glasses, the Red Racer glasses, the letter for uh, Star Tropics. These are all things that can definitely affect the price of a complete copy. Whereas I think more generic pack-ins like the advertising posters, yeah, posters. Yeah. Um, um, subscription or yeah. or registration cards, yeah. less so. Again, though, it depends on the game, though. If you have a hardcore fan of, uh, I, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something special that came out with it, I can't even think of anything right now. Solomon's Key had that weird map poster that showed you, like, the secret rooms. Oh, it did? Do I yeah. have that? Jesus. I'm going to look for that. But, uh, no, yeah, I think it comes down to, like Ian said, like the Mike Tyson poster, which I think went up in value a lot. That was one of those things I think for some reason most clickers discovered only like the past few years existed. The letter, you mean? Yeah, the letter. Yeah, the letter did. It's like the past year and a half. Everyone's like, "Does your copy have the letter?" And I'm like, before no. like people didn't know it existed. Yeah, you know. Um, and then I think a big one would be like the Legend of Zelda insert uh, map slash story. That's, I think that's a big one. If you don't have that, uh, I which think one? The Legend of Zelda. Oh yeah, yeah. Poster slash item map or mm. whatever. That's a big one. That's always been big at the store. Uh, 
I still have my original one. Nice. I drew my awful writing. I actually found another one that that person drew in every secret, like the entire thing. At the first, very first Luna video games location, we had someone who did a beautiful one in all colored pencil. Oh. And it was like, it looked like it was moth ridden, like eaten because there was holes all over it. And it did not survive the transportation to the second store. It was awesome too, because they really like fine detail. I got to show you mine because mine was done by, mine was done by like, you know, like, a fucking child that still I still can't draw all right, but the, the one I found was done very well. I was like, "Holy shit!" Nice. And I remember I had it with my extra manual, and someone was ready to buy it. I'm like, "No, I think I might just keep that." Yeah, <laughs> I think no, I'm, I'm done. They were mad, but I was like, "No, sorry, I, I reserve the right to take it out of your hand, sir." No, that's uh, an asshole. Anyway, um, all right. Last one from probably our gold medal winner when it comes to people who have uh, just magically ended up on our Q&A section. Uh, from who dat, as in dat ass is my boss. Can we please bring some closure to the double dragon beef between Pat and Ian? It was a dark day on Twitter. <laughs> a very dark day when out of nowhere, like an RKO. I had like a drink or two. Uh, um, my uh, I'm talking. When Ian goes, just have to say, no one talks about it. Double Dragon's a bad game. Can't we just admit it? And I'm like, what? Ian knows my love of Double Dragon, first of all. Second of all, this son of a bitch sat next to me during video game years and didn't say one bad word about Double Dragon. In fact, I remember him might have semi-complimenting the game. So Ian... Care to explain yourself? What the hell happened? Why, why the sudden shift in attitude in one of my most beloved games? Yeah, because I constantly remember Double Dragon 2 and the okay port of Double Dragon 1, despite the fact that it's single player. Um, the problem is it's that. single player in the arcade? I know. I'm talking about the NES versions. Oh, okay. Which were okay. Um, I have constantly downloaded basically every available arcade version of Double Dragon 1. MAME. Xbox Live Arcade, PlayStation 4, and I can't fucking stand it. It's choppy. It's full of slowdown. Uh, I personally think it's a fucking garbage game. Did it push beat-em-ups forward? Yes. Much like the most important game of all time, Space Invaders pushed shooters forward. But that does not make it good. Here's something that I discussed with someone the other day. I know, I hear you fuming. There are games that push genres forward that are important, but when it comes to games that are good to play, that does not mean you go all the way back. There are games that are... There's a starting point. There's a starting point. And the starting point for good beat-em-ups is not Double Dragon 1. It's just fucking not. That's not where you start playing good beat-em-ups. I'm sorry. I just don't like it. It's not a good game. Yeah, it was so bad that little young Patrick at Bullcraft Amusement Park in Scotch Plains, New Jersey, used to always play that game in the arcade. And didn't once think about, wow, you know, this isn't pushing the genre forward. Or, this isn't pushing the genre forward. Or, oh, they're slowing down because there's six fucking characters on the screen at once and not just fucking three like in the shitty NES version of the game with a, a second simultaneous player. No, I never thought about that. 
playing the game originally. And I never thought. I just thought, wow, this is doing something games never did before this. And I'm not going to worry about what my fucking ingrate co-host. 30 years from now thinks about this fucking amazing game at the time with baseball bats and knives and fucking dynamite and giant mid-bosses like a Bobo that had never been done to that extent in games before. No, I didn't think about that at all. It kind of The really great graphics for the time, the great sound effects, the really awesome soundtrack that's very underrated. No, I didn't, wasn't thinking about it. what you thought about it 30 years from now. I was just enjoying it. Joint smacking people with pistols. Oh no, it went down to only 20 frames a second for those three second intervals. Oh god forbid that happened to Double Dragon. And the game was so bad and no one played it and was so unimportant that they came out with Double Dragon 2 and Double Dragon 3 and 4 and 5. Because that first game was t- first game was terrible. Yeah, they well, all, what did Japan they all kind of suck except for the second one. They all kind of suck. You heard it here first. The second one's great. It says they all kind of suck. The second one's fantastic. A marvel of electricity. One of the best things you can do with it, actually. You know what never pushed the genre forward, Ian? Mappy Land never pushed the genre forward. Yeah, How about that? But that's Or fun. Mappy never pushed the genre forward. But it's fun. That fucking killed the genre of little mice cops <laughs> running around. Never saw another game after that. How much <laughs> slowdown was in that game, asshole? Not a lot. Not a lot. <laughs> fucking sitting next to me during video game years. I don't think we closed out anything. I, I made it worse. But I'm closing the laptop. Because that brings to an end this episode of the Completely Unnecessary Podcast. Not yet. This ingrate sitting across from me has a <laughs> Patreon account that I'm going to lock him out of the account tonight. It's uh, <laughs> patreon.com slash pixelsickle and you can help support us and you can watch the podcast in his entire video form with all our awkward segues uh, as such and our good old uh, Patreon preamble which this week I thought was better than usual yeah that's good I don't remember what we talked about because I'm fucking I was tired now I'm running on fucking fumes because this week has been awful for me uh, psychologically and mentally uh, so uh, check it out the podcast in full on where well, you're listening to it you fucking know where it is it's on iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and everywhere else Podbean Podbean good old Podbean and uh, we're gonna be at conventions me more than Ian uh, I'm gonna have him disinvited to uh, Portland Richard Gaming Expo that's gonna be October. simply because of my opinions on Double Dragon that's a big part of it October 21st to 23rd in Portland Retro World uh, in Connecticut, October 15th to 16th, and Retropalooza in Arlington, Texas, October 1st and 2nd, and then a new Path the NES Punk video is coming out. UltimateNES.com. You can order the book. It's now finally getting mailed out pre-orders, and it's up on Amazon if you want to put up your review there. If you have the book, you know, please leave your uh, honest but flattering review there. Um, and then, yeah, and then I gotta eat some, uh, Wendy's, cause there's no more burritos, cause the place is closed. I really enjoyed our more afternoon shows, because I can get a nice taco afterwards. That's nice. So, uh, for a person who doesn't appreciate good video games from the mid-80s, I'm Pat Contry, <laughs> and we're gonna see you later. <laughs>